0: Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I am your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 9 of the 411 On Wrestling Podcast. Today we are going to discuss NXT TakeOver New York and WrestleMania 35. And my guest today is the Kobayashi to my kaiser soul saying, Jeremy Lambert Jr. The Third. How are you, Jeremy?
1: Oh, good. Tired. It's been a long week, but I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me back, Larry
0: course man i mean it's what we do so uh it was a long it's not wrestlemania weekend so much anymore is it it's almost a week now because it's like almost five days now because some started wednesday night and uh there's just a a lot going on over the week uh what is uh some of the stuff you caught outside of what we're going to talk about today
1: I feel like I watched just about everything. I watched the two Janella shows. I watched part of uh, Penis Party. I watched Evolve. Uh, I watched the debut of Beyond, the Uncharted Territory event. Orange Cassidy does something, maybe, whatever. Uh, a lot of the GCW stuff, a lot of the stuff from The Collective. Um, the WWN, the Super Show, which was awesome. And of course, you know, NXT, G1 and and WrestleMania. So I watched a little bit of every and, and the friggin what the Friday night black, uh, not the black label show, but whatever that weird show was where they did human sacrifices and whatnot, which was a complete train wreck in the best way possible. So, yeah, I, I watched plenty of wrestling this past week.
0: I think that was like Black Craft wrestling or something. Yeah,
1: Black Black Craft wrestling. That's okay, it. Yeah. what a what a wacky show that was.
0: Did uh, did you catch any of uh Josh Barnett's Bloodsport?
1: Yes, yes, I did. I meant to say that one as well. Yes, Josh Barnett's Bloodsport, which was fantastic as well obviously suzuki killing people and the the barnett match was was really good and there's some, some awesome finishes on that show as well i i don't remember half of what i watched this past week because when you watch that much it just kind of all blends together and you forget what's on what show but yeah i did watch josh barnett's blood sport as well
0: yeah i didn't get to obviously review as much this year because my uh my time in the wheelchair is limited but uh quite honestly, just to keep it fresh with everybody, uh, wheelchairs are not built for comfort. My ass starts to hurt, so I got to get up after like three hours, and which uh, made WrestleMania and the G1 show rather tough, but uh, I cherry-picked. I took uh, recommendations from my uh, good European friends Ian Hamilton and uh, Arnold Furious, who used to write for 411, and uh, they sent me a bunch of recommendations, and I checked out a bunch of Really great stuff. I'm um, finishing up my uh, top matches of WrestleMania weekend list. Uh, yeah, the Blood Sports show had it was way better than last year's. Not that last year's was bad, but uh, this year was just really good. Like Timothy Thatcher and Hideki Suzuki was really good. Josh Barnett and Minoru Suzuki was really good, and uh, Jonathan Gresham and uh, uh, Takeda was really good as was uh, Davy Boy Smith Jr. and Killer Cross, So um, that, that show had a lot of fun. And basically, if you don't know what the Bloodsport show is, it's, um, it's a ring with no ropes, and they're doing uh, you know, knockout submission finishes. It's basically, it, it's kind of like Pride. It, it, it's worked MMA, you know, to a point. And it's, uh, you know, guys a guy like Davey Boy Smith Jr., who still does all kind of catch wrestling and tournaments, you know, and a guy like Suzuki who just likes to, you know, kill people. Um, they thrive in that kind of atmosphere. So yeah, that was fun, and then I cherry-picked a bunch of matches from, uh, from a lot of the shows you mentioned. And, um, yeah, there was a lot of great stuff this weekend. Um, there was also a lot of failures. There was a, uh, like an IPW House of Glory show, I think, that drew, like, under 20 people. Um, which that's telling you right there too many fucking shows
1: there um, there's definitely a lot of shows it's i understand every indie wants to you know be there and get their shit in but some some of these shows and like like friday night in particular you had nxt penis party and and part one of janela's show and mlw like all going on at the same time and i realized there's 80,000 people in town for, for WrestleMania, but it's just so much going on and people only have so much money and there's so much wrestling during the week that some of these shows just, I, I don't know how they actually do make money on these events.
0: Yeah. And that's the problem. Cause it's not, it's not a thing of like, you know, you have to watch everything. It's just the fact that you run into stuff. Like you said, on Friday night, there's like three, four, five, six shows going on overlapping at the same time and you know no offense to joey ryan's penis party in mlw but people are going to go to nxt you know and stuff like that and it's uh it's hard and you know the janela shows both sold out well in advance so i mean the um from everything i heard and um i'll be posting a podcast from uh, former uh 411 contributors Jerem Kusan and uh, Ryan Rozanski, who um, watched a ton of the non-WWE stuff, and um, apparently from what I've heard, and I uh, watched some of it. Um, the collective shows and GCW stuff were really good. Got a lot of good reviews, and I found some good matches on those. And uh, yeah, it's um great matches actually. But yeah, it's um yeah there was a lot of stuff going on, a lot of good things, and um. So before we get into TakeOver, I want to remind everybody that uh, the show is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course posting on 411 with the embedded player and the YouTube uh, of it. And, um, you know, if you want to share that around and, um, you know, give us some reviews on iTunes, we would greatly appreciate it. But uh, NXT TakeOver is first thing we're going to talk about. And um, going into it, Jeremy, we were both very excited for this show I said it was a sexy and stacked card and um, this show delivered massively um, just I, I loved it probably not probably I, I'd call it the, the greatest takeover ever so far. Um, it was a five match show based all on titles and wrestling and characters you can invest in. It's a very simple concept, which a lot of people don't seem to get these days in wrestling. Um thing is is like when you do it right, honestly, pro wrestling is is pretty easy. You know, you have these you have these guys that are women, you try to create compelling characters with stories that have goals and accomplishments, and you try to take people on a journey and then it's your job to deliver. In the end, you need to tell a good story, and then hopefully everybody delivers. And that was the, the story of TakeOver New York. And uh, we started off at the uh, tag team title match. Champions the War Raiders retained against Dusty Classic winners Alistair Black and Ricochet. Jeremy, your thoughts?
1: NXT does this very well, where they just have these tag team matches. For anyone who thinks tag team wrestling is... Dead in WWE. I mean it might be in WWE, but in NXT they they kick off these takeover shows with these tag team matches, and they're just always awesome. Always. And this was another example of that. The War Raiders are great. Alistair Black and Ricochet are obviously great. And you know, these, all these guys can do a little bit of everything. You see Hanson and Rowe flying around like they're luchadors out there. Obviously, Ricochet is unmatched when it comes to athleticism. And Alister Black is, I don't know if he's sneaky underrated when it comes to athleticism, but you don't think of him as a, like one look at him, you think of him more as a striker. And I mean, the guy can kind of do flippy stuff as well. And it just a great way to kick off this show. And it was going to be tough for them to follow this. They actually did follow it. I agree with you that th- this was probably my favorite show of the weekend because it wasn't five hours long. There was no real dead spots. It was just great match after great match. And yeah, this show kicked it off the right way. The War Raiders winning was seemingly never in doubt because Black and Ricochet were, were going up to the main roster. Um but it was still, I mean, people still bought in. They got the nice send-off at the end with the War Raiders bowing to them. Yeah, just just an excellent match. Four guys who are just great, great wrestlers. And it's it's quite amazing that Black and Ricochet, who aren't really known as, as tag team guys and were pretty much thrown together because they got caught up to the main roster. There was no rhyme or reason for them to be a tag team. And now they're a tag team. And fuck, they're excellent.
0: They are. They're great. That's the thing, too. It's like... Um, it's, it's a, it's just a, it's how it played out. And I think like the big story in that is a lot of people forget is, you know, Ricochet kind of avoided 205 live and I like 205 live, but if we're being honest, not a ton of people watch it. They're always stuck on the pay-per-view pre-shows and, you know, it would have been almost a waste of his talent. So the fact that, you know he's tagging with Black right now. It works for me. They're great. They delivered a ton of great matches in March. Excellent match here. And I uh, yeah, it was a it was a really nice send off for them. And um, that's always nice to see because uh, you could tell the fans completely appreciated those guys. And to your point of the titles not changing hands, you know, not being in doubt. I agree. But the thing is, is when you work such an excellent match and you have that much of an invested crowd, you can get past a lot of that, even without, like, the great drama or storytelling of, like, like, say, Brian and Kofi at Mania, who was a great match, excellent match, had a great story behind it, though. This just was everything I think the fans wanted. And I think what helped is, They kind of broke from the typical tag formula. They didn't do like the long heat segment, they didn't do the hot tag stuff. It was just two really evenly matched teams. And at the end, the big lads ended up winning. They put away the flippy boy and his tattooed friend. And uh, just an excellent way to kick off the show. And, um, you know, you really can't ask for more when you get an opening match like that is a perfect
1: way to kick off the show. Yeah. Um, and again, the, the bowing at the end, the kind of send off for black and ricochet was, was very fitting. I know they, the last uh, set of tapings at full sale, they kind of did the big speech to the crowd saying, this will probably be the last time they see them. But I, I figured they'll make an appearance at some point again sort of like Sasha and Bailey, and they NXT sometimes likes to bring these guys back for these one-off appearances uh but yeah just a just a great way to kick off this show really set the tone as these tag team matches seem to do with TakeOver and it gives you a you know go out there and follow that feel and then these guys end up following that
0: I know and that's the thing too and I wrote that in the review I said you know normally I'd say good luck following that but then you looked at the rest of the card, and it's like, you know, they're, they're probably going to, and they did. So uh, next up was the NXT North American Championship match with uh, champion the Velveteen Dream retaining against Matt Riddle. Velveteen Dream came out dressed as the Statue of Liberty, was carried to the ring on a throne. He's amazing. You got to love the dude. He's just charisma, everything. The in-ring keeps getting better and better and better and uh he and riddle delivered another great match uh, I didn't think it was quite as good as the tag match and I know there's kind of there's varying opinions on that but um thought it was a very great match and uh I was kind of surprised that dream retained but not shocked or anything and I thought that the finish played well because uh dream just kind of countered into a cradle and and caught riddle after riddle was getting, Riddle was basically getting frustrated the whole time that he couldn't put Dream away. And uh, that kind of led to his downfall. Your thoughts?
1: The entrance for Velveteen Dream was fantastic. Uh, We talked about it last week or two weeks ago that this is sort of the thing that I was looking forward to. One of the things I was looking forward to the most is to see what his entrance was, what he was going to be wearing. The tights were not like Riddle-specific. I expected maybe some... Uh, weed leaves on the the trunks or something like that. But he was very velveteen dream in this match, and I thought that was kind of a nice little touch. Honestly, it shows that he's kind of getting more into his own character instead of getting into the head of his opponents. You know, he doesn't. He feels he doesn't have to sort of play these bigger set of mind games he's come more comfortable just being velveteen dream now uh but he still had the big elaborate statue of liberty entrance which was awesome And then yeah, Velveteen Dreams in ring work, it's still coming along. He's what 23 years old, something like that. He's I mean, he's already really, really good. I I like that he does these moves of, you know, past superstars, like he broke out the code breaker. He obviously does the top rope elbow. He did the hulking up gimmick and this one. He kind of does these moves. He did, I think he did the famouser as well. Like kind of these moves from these tough enough guys who essentially cut him and now he's I mean he's one of the biggest stars at NXT and in the next five years could be one of the biggest stars in the company and he's taking all their moves and everything I I think it's a great piece of storytelling and you know Riddle I I said I said before this was going to kind of be that showcase match for Matt Riddle to show WWE fans what he can really do because I don't think he's Quite had that chance, and, and it really was. You know, they got extended time in this one. Riddle worked sort of more of his uh brutal strong style. uh He got you know frustrated at times. He kind of showed a little bit of a, a heelish tactic. I, I like that sort of mix in there. And then yeah, he got kind of got overconfident. You know, he's he's very chill and laid back, and he thought he had it in the bag. And and Dream kind of stole it from him. So I thought this was. Maybe not the best technical match on the show, but as far as just a complete piece of storytelling goes, I really like that aspect of this match, and I thought that was one of the things that would carry this match because that's one of the things that sort of carries a lot of Dream's matches right now. Is even though he's not the the smoothest guy, still the storytelling with him is really really strong, and they they played into it. I was sort of surprised. Like this just speaks to the quality of Velveteen Dream that. I mean, this guy like Riddle is super over the The hardcore fans love Matt Riddle who have followed him through his evolve run and his independent run. Like they really love this guy. And by all accounts, he's just a great person. And Velveteen Dream comes in there and he gets the majority of the cheers. And I don't know if it was planned for Riddle to kind of work more as a heel or if they did it on the fly. But either way, I thought the the layout of this match was really strong.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing too. It's just, it's really, I I like, one of the reasons I like following and covering NXT is kind of the same thing as like why I really dig following the Young Lions in New Japan and when they do like the, the Lionsgate events. Because you see like in, in New Japan, like watching someone like Umino grow who just had a fucking banger with Tanahashi in the New Japan Cup. And then, but you see him, coming in and you know, kid looks good and everything. And he gets those hope spots. He gets those near falls and the tag matches. And then you see him just grow and grow and grow. And that's what I like about certain things with NXT is you see someone like dream who came in with limited experience and you're basically watching him grow from, you know, being built from the ground up. And again, we talked about this last time we talked just, um, it was best for him that he stayed in NXT because he's just getting better. And as you said, he has he has potential to be a, a major star. Obviously, a Pokeroid right on the main roster in the future. And just watching him grow, and you know, he keeps delivering great matches. And he obviously has the character work down, and he just gets it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I hope he stays in NXT for. I mean at least another year I I don't I don't want him on the main roster right now the main roster ju- just seems to be a, a death sentence for for some of these guys and he's he's still so young just let him be down there let him kind of keep doing his thing on that brand he'll get over on the main roster because he is such a star I I just don't have any faith that they'll, they'll use him correctly. Like they clearly don't have a plan when they call these guys up. I'm not saying no way. Jose should be the biggest star in the company far from it. This guy should easily be an opening match heater that gets the crowd into it and, and gets everybody on their feet and having fun. And he's just like doing nothing every single time. And I'm not saying Dream is going to fall to that level, but it's just, it's very obvious there's no plan for a lot of these guys.
0: Well, you remember when we went to that, uh, the NXT show in uh, Concord, that um, No Way Jose got one of the biggest reactions on the show. And he was, uh, he was on a show with uh, Austin Aries and Hitomi and stuff, and Valor, and it's just like, he yeah, came Nakamura on. Yeah,
1: was on that show as well.
0: Yeah, so it's like... Um, I remember Christy fucking loved him. Cause he yeah, was just yeah. so much fun and energetic, <laughs> yeah. and everybody just dug him, you know?
1: Yeah, both of our wives were like that was the person they reacted the most to. Uh I mean, he just comes out there and again, he he really is the life of the party. And like, this is who that guy should be, it is just you bring him out early on in the show. He gets the crowd up and into it, and you go from there and like. There's there's just none of that on the main roster. And again, Dream is a much bigger star than, than No Way Jose really ever was. But anybody who watches NXT and WWE can just see the disconnect between the two brands when they call these guys up and just don't have any real plan for them. I, I dread whoever gets called up tonight uh, on Raw and then tomorrow on SmackDown because... I don't know. I'm not sure what they're going to do with the guy who gets called up.
0: Well, it's just like, you look at the last call, it's like, Lacey Evans is still walking around. Heavy Machinery isn't doing much. Lars hasn't debuted yet. Um, EC3 is like a fucking geek. and like, But then they bring up Black and Ricochet, and they lucked into something with them, and it's working. And yeah, I mean, hey, they didn't win on Raw last week. It was a count-out thing. They lost to the TakeOver, but they had an excellent match. And uh they didn't win at WrestleMania. I was hoping they would. But they've been booked way better than any of the other guys.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um. As far as Dream and Riddle go, again, just another another great match. Dream retaining is, is fine by me, because hopefully that means he's going to stay around for a little while um and and matt riddle he's gonna be fine like he'll he'll continue to be over that's the thing about nxt is guys are just always over especially these these guys who have an established identity and who can work a match like matt riddle so i'm not worried about either of these guys and as far as the match goes i thought it was great I, i think i told you this was a match i was really looking forward to and i thought they delivered for what they needed to deliver
0: Exactly. They got plenty of time, and it was uh, it was great. I loved it. And um, real quick, just to go back to No Way Jose before we go on. You know, if he's lucky, he'll because like you talked about, like the opening match guy and everything. If he's lucky, he can you know work himself into like a like an R Truth type thing. Because I mean, R Truth is almost fifty years old, and dude is still in great shape, and he works hard. He proved this year that when you give him a chance, he can have great matches. And the other thing is, is like, yeah, he does a lot of the comedy shit. Vince loves that. But the thing is, he's such a great live event guy. You know, open up the show, get the crowd hot. And that, you know, no way Jose can be that kind of guy. And there's nothing wrong with that. You're going to make your money. You're going to work a safer style. You're not going to beat yourself up and you know so that's that's a good deal for him
1: but uh our trust is gonna be around for another 30 years so no way jose is screwed in that spot
0: (laughs) it looks like it though it's like the the man does not age it's creepy actually but uh (laughs) next up they showed in the crowd the latest nxt signee which had been uh you know reported previously but uh Kushida made his live debut uh in the crowd he was the uh, the big crowd guy this time around and uh Kushida obviously a great addition to the brand
1: yeah we talked about who was gonna show up in the crowd and we were both standing for uh Stokely Hathaway because we love that guy uh Kushida we probably should have seen coming his the report of him signing has been out there since January after he had his last match in new Japan. And they, they actually announced the signing like just before takeover. And then he was in the crowd, got a, got a really good reaction. I'm excited to see him in NXT. I'm glad he's in NXT hanging out there instead of going up to 205 live. And I mean, he's going to be great. Anybody who hasn't seen Kushida in, in new Japan, in for a treat. And he, i mean really nxt is just they can do no wrong it seems like and they keep bringing in these guys and he's gonna work a really good style with these guys uh like i'm really excited to see him against a guy like a matt riddle against i don't know if he's gonna face gargano if he's gonna get to that level but somebody like gargano the undisputed era guys there's just so many great matches for him in nxt
0: yeah and the good thing is too is like he's actually worked a lot with uh Kyle O'Reilly, I'd love to see a rematch with them. He's worked with Bobby Fish, he's worked with Strong, all in ROH slash New Japan. And uh, yeah, if you don't know anything about Kishida, he was basically their... He was basically the Tanahashi of the junior division. He was the guy that... He had several reigns, he held the division together when, you know, there were injury issues and stuff. And just, um, he's, he's excellent. So he's a great signing. So we moved on to the NXT UK Championship, champion Pete Dunne finally lost the title, as we talked about, to Walter in another excellent pro wrestling match.
1: This was your, I think, your match of the weekend, as far as the one you were looking forward to the most. And they worked just a completely different style than the first two matches while well, the first two matches were sort of more high octane pace Walter and Dunn sort of slowed things down a little bit at least in the the early portions of the match you know they did Pete Dunn and Walter things where they just beat the shit out of each other and manipulated body parts and it was excellent and then things picked up at the end Walter comes off the top rope of a fucking splash and beats Pete Dunn just this is another great match, and it's really again Pete Dunn. We talked about it last week. Like this guy, you look at his match to great match ratio, and it's almost one to one. Like th- this guy delivers every time out. And Walter, if it's a guy you hadn't seen prior to WWE, now you know what he's all about. And it'll be interesting to to see where they go in NXT UK. Like Walter, they haven't like built anybody up to to really challenge this guy like that's why pete dunn really like lacked challengers i think he faced like who, uh who at the takeover joe coffee at the takeover special yeah and it's like all right wh- who is joe coffee what is what has he really done and you know walter comes in and obviously he's he's established and it's like okay this guy could beat pete dunn but now you're looking at that uh nxt uk roster and there's devlin and Walter, and devlin would be awesome their their feud in ott is awesome and like that seems like a ready-made feud other than that like they've got to get this guy some challengers or they just got to have him kill fools because that's what walter should be doing anyway
0: yeah definitely i I would have him just destroy some people for a bit um you can uh you can obviously do the pete dunn rematch because i mean yeah he lost but you know, near 700 days as champion, I have no problem with a immediate rematch there. Um, you could also heat up Tyler Bate as a single. They've worked together in the patch, past and had a uh, great matches. But yeah, the the Devlin feud, they've been doing pretty good with Devlin, and I would love for them to uh, to really heat him up and see if they can recreate some of that. Magic like they had at uh, the OTT show, just recently. Cause uh, just excellent stuff with those guys. So uh, yeah, the uh, the Big Daddy is the new champion, and uh, yeah, you know, uh, be careful what you wish for because Pete Dun wanted uh he wanted Walter and he got him. He got all of them.
1: <laughs> yeah, a rematch would certainly be the way to go. I feel like uh you could even do they gotta have another NXT UK takeover at some point. And like this is the match you you obviously you can easily headline with. Um so so that would seem to be the direction. I know they're doing the international superstar shakeup next week, I believe. And so it's it does seem like Pete Dunne can can move on to to something else at that point while still uh, popping up in in NXT UK at least until the next takeover special, um, the the Pete Dunne rematch definitely seems to to make the most sense. While they heat up somebody and, and Devlin, I think is both of our sort of preferred option. But if they need to heat up somebody in the in the meantime before before they further establish Devlin, that's fine too. I, I Walter's not losing the title anytime soon. I, I wouldn't suspect. I mean, Dunne held it for. 685 days or something so nxt and again there's no real established guy who's taking it from walter at, at, for the time being so heat up somebody let walter kill guys give pete done the rematch walter's title reign should be awesome pete dunn's title reign was really good i think sort of underrated because people just I don't know how many people are watching NXT UK, but like we talked about, this guy just has a great match every time out. And you go back and just watch his NXT UK title defenses, and there weren't too many of them, but you watch all of them, and it's like all these matches are you know, four stars at the very worst. And then even some of his lesser matches were were good as well. So great, great title run for Pete Dunne. I know Triple H said on the uh, NXT media call, like, the, the future is bright for this guy, even though he lost the title. He's 25 years old. He's already really good. I, I like his bruiserweight character. I actually wish they would just do more kind of with that character. I don't want this guy on 205 Live. You put this guy on 205 Live and just have him kill some of these flip guys, it would be awesome. Uh, nobody would see it. But it would at least be awesome. Um, but but Pete Dunn's gonna be gonna be fine, although I may have just given him a death wish on two five live.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pete is really, really good. And that's you know, that's another guy. You look at guys like him and Tyler Bate and Velveteen Dream in their early twenties, and there's so much that they get, and they're so, they deliver and they're just they're just gonna get better is the scary thing. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with, uh, with Pete. And he brought up the superstar shakeup. And, uh, you know, I think there's a chance that uh buddy Murphy could move away from two Oh five live. Cause, uh, he's been excellent there and they did the title change of mania, which we'll talk about later. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who they shuffle around and the where and how it all uh, shakes out. But our next title match was the, uh, NXT Women's Championship Fatal Four Way: Champion Shayna Baszler versus Bianca Belair versus Kyrie Zane versus Io Shirai. Your thoughts?
1: A good. It felt like a sprint. I don't know actually how long it was, but everyone got their got their spots in. I was not too surprised that Shayna Baszler won. We, we talked about it previously that any of these women could win and it would feel like the right move because they're they're all great and they all have different threads and stories where where they can go I like Shayna Baszler as the champion um I know some people want her to get called up especially if Ronda is going to to take time off now and and Baszler would seem like a you know, perfect replacement in, in that aspect. But I, I like Shayna Bay, and this would have been the the time to take the title off of her because you could have her lose the title without beating her. But I like her just kind of running through this division. They're, they're clearly still trying to protect Io and Kyrie, but not having them take the loss. And, you know, Bianca passed out instead of tapped out, I believe. So I like the NXT women's division. Just a lot of really good wrestlers. I feel like they're trying to build up Candice LeRae a little bit, which is the right move. Candice LeRae sort of taking the title from Baszler would seem to be a natural story almost. I mean, LeRae is, I don't want to be upsetting to her and call her a female Gargano, but she has that sort of same underdog vibe and they're obviously married and they're, you know, they're, the story is there for Loray to sort of play that female Gargano character, but in her own right. And Baszler is just sort of this this bully-type character, and she's she's picked on Loray before. So I, I would think that would be the direction they're going. I worry that Kyrie and Io are now going to get called up and be put in the women's tag team division, which would... Be fine. But again, any NXT call up, I just worry about on the main roster. But it, Kyrie would seem to have to be called up prior to next year's WrestleMania because they're doing a, a pirate theme. And if Kyrie Sane's not on that show and in a big match, it would just feel like a missed opportunity.
0: Yeah. You know, you bring up her and uh, Candace and uh, possible call ups. Uh, according to Big Dave Meltzer on uh, the uh, Wrestling Observer radio show this morning. Apparently Kyrie Zane and Candice LeRae are uh two women they've talked about calling up, which is why they were in the women's battle royal last night. So uh they could be kind of next on the thing. And the, the good thing is is like there are a lot of other women too behind like these four we just talked about that are ready to step up. You know, there there's a lot of women on that roster. You have Mia Yim waiting right there. Uh, They haven't, you know, there's a lot to do with EO still, Um, you know, because, I mean, she's been in the mix and, you know, she's been a lot of fun, but there's a lot to do with her just as her. Um, Her team with Kyrie Zane is so much fun. And that's why, like, I really hated when uh, Bailey and Sasha lost at Mania because I wanted to see them versus the Sky Pirates. I was like, that's like a, that looks like a fucking killer match on paper. And uh but we got the iconics. So. But anyway, yeah, Shane retains. Uh I thought it was great. It went uh, a little over fifteen. And uh yeah, I thought it was basically a really great all-action sprint match. Everybody got some time to shine. Uh I really like the uh the drama and the conflicted emotions between uh Kyrie and Eo when they had to fight or break up a pin or something. Um I like that they you know they were willing to break things up and fight a little bit but it wasn't like oh my god we're heel tearing one you know so i think that worked really well nice and yeah it's it's,
1: it's it's every it's every woman for themselves and you know the titles on the line so even though they're friends they, they should be breaking up these pins and and trying to win the title so i i thought that was you know very well done i didn't get the impression that all oh, these women now hate each other and they're gonna turn heel like it was really just it's a competitive match for a title and they both want to win so okay even though their friend is you know got the pinfall like who cares about that like they want the pinfall so I I thought those teases were, were well done and I didn't put any more stock into it than they they just both want to win there's no I don't I can't see either of them actually turning, at least not right now, and being like, "Gerd, you cost me the title."
0: Yeah. Um, So again, uh, you know, I I think everyone that I've seen, like reading reviews, uh, everyone agrees technically the weakest match on the show, but still, depending on who you read, very good to great. And um, so yeah, it's again the card just keeps rolling around uh, along, delivering. Really great stuff, and that led to our main event, which was for the vacant NXT championship best two out of three falls match Jonathan Gargano or Johnny Wrestling versus Adam Cole. Baby, your thoughts, Jeremy?
1: It's, I was honestly surprised that Adam Cole was just as over as he was in this match, like. No, no offense to Adam Cole, who I whose NXT run has been really, really, really strong. I don't know if I use enough reallys there, but it's been so good. And but like he was going up against Gargano, the the story was built for Gargano to win. Like they're in Brooklyn, and I thought just Gargano was just gonna have. You know, just the entire like 100% crowd support on his side, and it was more split. And Adam Cole was just so over from the start of this match, and by the end of it, you know, everyone w- was coming around on Gargano. But I was just surprised that just the crowd really loves Adam Cole. And I'm not saying he he should have won this match, but like we talked about, if Adam Cole had won, there was an obvious story there, and. Holy shit! Was this guy over when I didn't expect him to have that much support going up against Gargano? Uh, as far as as far as the match goes, like it, it's Johnny Gargano on on a Takeover show. So first off, I, I don't care who he's working against; it's going to be a great match. Um, second off, he, he's working against Adam Cole. So and you look at Adam Cole's track record on Takeover; it's just as good as Gargano's track record. Like, this guy has great matches every time he's on TakeOver as well. So it was always going to be a great match. The two out of three falls stipulation allowed them to have that time. You know, Gargano goes down 1-0, which was pretty much the story they were going to tell. Uh, it got a little muddy with the Undisputed Era interference and the ref bump. I was like, I don't know about this. But the, the story worked in that gargano has to overcome and he, he overcame the ref bump he overcame the shenanigans he overcame undisputed era you know he kicked out of everything cole and undisputed era threw at him and then he he got the victory so the story really worked the action was obviously great it, it, again it's gargano and cole on a takeover uh main event and yeah gargano winning i have no issue with that call I like we talked about you can go either way with these guys either Cole wins and then Undisputed Era runs the show or Gargano wins and you get that great moment and they got that great moment i i wonder where they're going to go with Gargano now because he is i'm saying he's Tommy Dreamer where he never needed to win the title and like he should always lose these matches because you don't want to build them up as just a complete loser but he's the champion now and He's not chasing, like he's not underdog Gargano anymore. He's world champion Gargano. And it'll be, you know, it'll be interesting to to see where they go with him from here.
0: Yeah, and I I saw that, you know, there are people that didn't like the ending stretch. And listen, I don't like interference and ref bumps. I think 99 times out of 100, they take away from a match. And they rarely ever help him. But as you mentioned, in terms of the story, which was Gargano overcoming finally, finally getting the monkey off his back, finally winning the big match, finally winning the championship, it works in that context. You can't do it all the time. can't do it every takeover. You can't do it every month. can't do it every week, for sure. But in the context of the story, I think it worked great. I absolutely love this. Uh, I thought it was amazing, and uh yeah, I went, I went the full five on it. I was just, uh, I loved it. I thought both guys were awesome. I thought the story played out well, and then you get the uh, feel good moment at the end. Candace comes out, celebrates with her husband. They had told the story that when uh, Johnny challenged Andrade for the title last year, that uh, his father, um, Johnny's father, was in the hospital. He couldn't be there, but he was there tonight. And he got to hug his dad and celebrate. And then and then they kind of teased you because they go up on the ramp and they're, you, Johnny and Candace are hugging and it's a good time. And that bald motherfucker walks out. And you're thinking, like, is he going to fucking toss him in the LED board again? You know, because, like, how many times did that happen? It was always at the very end when they're going off and about to show the credits. But they did the big hug and embrace. And um, I know some people kind of shit on that because they never finished the story. But, again, there's speculation that Trump is going to be gone a year. And Trip White said on the conference call that, you know, if you've been watching the videos that they produced and they talked about their longtime friendship – It's one of those things where his defense was that he feels that Chiampa figured that if he couldn't have the title, he was okay with Johnny having it. And the thing is, too, is when he comes back, he was going to get a babyface reaction when he comes back. So I think it was okay to babyface him here. And you can always revisit it. Things can happen, and you can tell the story in a different way. So, um, but yeah, great close to the show. Uh, I went, I gave the show a, a full 10. I loved it. Best takeover ever. Easily the show of the weekend. On Uh
1: Champa and Gargano, I, I tweeted that I wanted Champa to to lay him out and Steve Cook called me a monster. Uh, but (laughs) I, I get the moment. I, I truthfully didn't have an issue with a moment. I tweeted it as just a sort of a joke, but also wanting to, like, I thought it would have been fitting if Ciampa was, like... Because, as you said, like, you show those videos, this guy is a baby face now. And he even tweeted, like, well, there goes my heat. Like, you can't have this guy be a heel anymore, at least upon quick return. But if he lays out Gargano in that moment, it's like, okay... This guy is now, he still sucks. Um, so he immediately gets his heat back. But as far as the moment goes, I, I thought it was very fitting. And yeah, like like we talked about the other week, a lot depends on just how long Ciampa is out for. And if he's going to be out for a year, then there's no reason to try to set up this match with Gargano. You know, and you can't deliver on it for a year. Like they've done it once and it, it worked. And it was good. I, I don't think it was quite a year that, that he was out for. Um, but, you know, they, they've they done it once. And I just don't know how long you can wait to kind of do that again. And if Gargano can even be in NXT for, for a full year uh, after he'd already kind of been called up and everything. And now if Candice is going to get called up, like, usually WWE likes to keep the the, the pairings together there because they they care about families even though they don't give them healthcare. Um but I, I did like I did like that Ciampa was there to celebrate. If you if you've watched those videos, you know that it, it's wrestling folks. They they don't like each other on screen. They're still best friends off screen and they probably go on double dates and all this stuff all the time. So Ciampa being there well, was a cool moment to close the show. He even tweeted afterwards He kind of planted some seeds, like, you know, one of us is the the true champion, and you can take that as, you know, is he giving props to Gargano? Is he saying, like, yeah, he never beat me, I'm still the champion? So, Ciampa is really, I mean, he's he's the greatest sports entertainer of all time. He's really good at this stuff, and he's... He's gonna be fine even while he's injured doing these these little things on social media that hopefully they they kind of pick up on and they they build on. So I I hope Ciampa is back sooner rather than later. Obviously, get your neck right, don't don't rush it back, but it, it sucks that he's out as far as the moment goes. Yeah, people seem to be sort of split on it. I think more people enjoyed it than than didn't like it. Uh, but it's you know, let Gargano had his really good feel-good moment. His best friend just, he's out for however long he's out for. If he wants to come out there and, you know, make up with them and be friends and have that happy moment to, to close the show, there's nothing wrong with sending the fans home really, really happy in that moment. It doesn't have to all be doom and gloom. And everybody went home happy on that show. And yeah, the as far as the overall product no bad matches on the show, no dead spots, nothing like that. Just fantastic from from start to finish. If you want to call it the best takeover ever, then I don't have an issue with it. I I feel like every takeover is the best takeover ever at this point because they're always just so great. But this one was was certainly right up there. And the the undisputed era tease real quickly on that kind of after the show i don't know if they're gonna break up i i almost feel like they can right now because as i said adam cole is so over right now that if you want to jump him out of undisputed era, like this guy is going to be fine like he he might turn into the biggest baby face in the company and You know, you get extra heat on on Undisputed Era. I don't know if they have a leader at that point, but they're just three guys who can still run the show and three great professional wrestlers. So a lot of directions to go in coming out of this show, which is always the great things about TakeOver is – You kind of end things, but you also have teases of starting some new things as well. And you can sort of see where things could be going and see little threads of where they they could be going with stuff. And NXT is just so perfect. Papa Paul does an amazing job with it. Yeah, I'm
0: really interested to see where they go with the next set of tapings. Because, you know, you have, as you said, you have Undisputed Era... Gargano's champion, War Raiders Dream. It'll be interesting to see where they all go. And then again, you have guys right underneath, you know, especially with Black and Ricochet gone. You have a Keith Lee, a Donovan uh Dijakovic, and you have other guys that are ready to step up and are quality guys. So it'll be interesting to see how things kind of change, who moves up, who gets the opportunity, and on what feeds we go into. So, yeah, TakeOver New York was fucking awesome. And um, I'm sorry if you didn't watch it or for some reason I actually saw people telling me that you're going to look back at this show and regret liking it so much. And it's like, no, no, I'm not. Um, You know, people said that years ago when uh, guys like me and J.D. Dunn and uh, Scott Keith and others and you know, loved Canadian Stampede and just, you know, made like wrote love letters to that show. And, um, but no, I still love that show too. But, um, yeah, NXT New York was awesome. And now we will talk about the other big WWE show of the weekend. The, uh, the granddaddy of them all, the show that brought 8 million shows to the New York area. And it's, uh, 10:49 a.m. on the eighth as we record this, and WrestleMania just ended. So, <laughs> um,
1: yeah, literally just like 30 minutes ago, we were actually started this podcast and WrestleMania was still on.
0: And um, it was a long show, kids. It started at 5 p.m. Eastern time, ended at almost 12:30. Seven and a half hours. Now even if I had thought the wrestling was really, really, really great, I don't think pro wrestling shows need to go seven and a half hours. I really don't. And it's not just because my ass was killing me because of the wheelchair. It's the fact that, you know, there, there's times when like I'm, you know, doing a Wrestle Kingdom and it's, it's getting near six hours or something. And, uh, you know, shows that I, I don't need them to be that long. I mean, I may enjoy the shit out of it, but I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't need seven and a half hours. Um and the other thing is too is I'm a big believer that, you know, I thought the G one show was a little too long too over the weekend. But I mean, you know, there was a and then we'll talk about that in the next episode, but um it's just that I don't believe everybody has to be on the car. And, no, no um,
1: I'm I, I'm with you. Um yeah, seven and a half hours, way, way too long. I, I said this about Wrestle Kingdom, maybe not this year, but but it last year for sure. Like Wrestle Kingdom is great. Like Wrestle Kingdom 12 was fantastic, start to finish. It, it was still like a six-hour show or something. And it, it's so much wrestling and just so much like by the end of it, you're just really burnt out, no matter how good all of these matches are. I mean, six hours, seven and a half hours, that's, I'm terrible at math, but that's one-fourth of a day. Like, it's literally a, a whole quarter of a day that you're spending watching one wrestling show. That's that's a lot of time to dedicate to just one wrestling show. And if, if you watch all these shows during WrestleMania week, this is... You know, this is the capper of them all. And you've really spent, like, 48 hours, maybe even more, just watching wrestling in, in the the past, you know, three, four days. Um, it, it's a lot of wrestling to watch. 48 might be a little high. till told you I'm terrible at math. But it's a lot of wrestling to watch. And, yeah, seven and a half hours for one show. It, it's a lot. And I'm with you on getting everybody on the card. I, I watched... Um, the my, my wife watched the main event with me last night and you know it doesn't start until quarter to 12 or something maybe even a little after midnight it but, actually
0: started like 1201 i
1: think yeah and, and she's like you know she comes upstairs she wants to go to bed at like ten thirty, and she says oh i i want to watch the main event with you she watched the kofi match with me as well and she's like i want to watch the main event with you she's like how many matches are left and and this is uh in the middle of triple h and batista i'm like well there's this match and then there's the kurt angle match and the finn Balor match and then it's the main event and she's like what like it's 10 30 what do you mean there are still three matches four matches including this one uh Uh, and the main event and i'm like yeah it's a long show and she's just like it's really dumb that they have to get like everybody on this show it it means more if not everybody is on this show because then you you get more time and it it just means more like it doesn't feel as watered down i'm like yeah i agree with and keep in mind this is a very casual wrestling fan who stopped watching like she used to watch it with me all the time but she stopped watching because shows were just way too long and there was just too many guys doing too many things and yeah and that like that's just her her thoughts on this and i I feel like it's a, a valid opinion that you don't need to get everybody on these shows and you don't need seven and a half hour shows either cut it down or And I think this will be the direction they go make this show two days. Like they, they can do it and not only can they do it and do it successfully, it cuts into these indie shows as well. And you know, they want to put a stop to that stuff. If you do a two day WrestleMania at four hours, four and a half hours a piece, like you're really cutting into these indie shows. I imagine if, You can do takeovers on Fridays, WrestleMania night one on Saturday, WrestleMania night two on Sunday. I, I know ROH in New Japan got the garden for Saturday. It would have been much tougher to secure that venue or even have the thought of, hey, let's run a show on this Saturday if you're going up against essentially night one of WrestleMania. So I feel like this is where they're going to end up going within the next three or four years. I think it'll be
0: interesting because I keep seeing people say, well, it's going to cost them too much money to do it. Well, first of all, they have a billion dollar TV deal. now. they
1: just made 17 million on this show. Like exactly. they're not worried about money. But the,
0: but the other thing is you have cities bidding for mania. Now they give WWE tax breaks. They give them venue deals. Now listen, if you're Tampa or you're New York or you're 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 a place that has held WrestleMania in the past ten years, say, so, you know the the the, uh, the Jerry Dome in Dallas, whatever, and you made a buttload of money and your local economy made like 150 million dollars for that week because of all the stuff in town, you're going to be considering it if they come to you with a two-day Mania proposal because you could do Hall of Fame Thursday, TakeOver Friday, Mania Saturday, Sunday. I think the key is going to be how New Japan does. Now, I know people are going to go, oh, WWE doesn't care about New Japan. But the thing is, New Japan is running two dates at the Tokyo Dome in January this year coming up. And the thing is, is I think if New Japan can pull 30000 or so for each show, I think WWE will look at that and go, fuck, we can
1: do 50. You yeah, know, yeah. I mean,
0: the, I, the I think WrestleMania?
1: Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> the, the WrestleMania brand is so strong that, all right, the these stadiums, it's tough to run back-to-back stadium shows like this. You know, entertainers do it all the time. I'm not saying WrestleMania is as big as, let's say, Taylor Swift, but, you know, Taylor Swift runs back-to-back stadium shows in, like, Nashville, all, and that's her hometown, like, all the time. And she sells out both shows. Like, these top entertainers do it every single tour. Like, any entertainer that runs a stadium tour typically runs back-to-back nights in these big stadiums because – they, a lot of people want to see these shows. And, and it's WrestleMania. Like, it comes around once a year. Uh, I, I truthfully don't think they would have a problem selling out both shows. Maybe they have to lower the ticket prices for both shows. So, But you're still... You can split the difference, honestly. Like, instead of charging... This, this is a very low estimate. But instead of charging $60 for a, a ticket to, to one WrestleMania show, maybe you charge, like... 40 for for both nights uh you know 40 for each night so 80 total so okay fans are paying an extra 20 dollars and again this is a low estimate please don't yell at me like uh, i wish i could get a wrestlemania ticket for 60 dollars um but you know you can do that and, and fans are gonna pay it like fans are going to pay it like look how many of these fans travel All across the world to go to WrestleMania, they're they're gonna shell out an extra twenty bucks if they can go and see both of these shows. You can do packages of like, hey, you can go to both nights and you you pay this. Well, that's the thing is, I was gonna
0: mention they they already do the big VIP packages to where you get Takeover, Hall of Fame, Mania, Raw, and SmackDown tickets, and like this like big. It's like, yeah, depending on the seat you get, you know, like two thousand dollars or whatever. And you go to all the shows. So yeah, I mean, exactly. You you know, you, you alter the price a little bit, they'll still make a fuckload of money. And like you look at this card we're about to talk about, there's like 16 matches on. And like you said, you break it up to eight match cards, and you do four hours a show, and you're done. Because the thing is, is you have two oh five live, you have the two battle royals, you have two fucking tag titles for the men you have the IC and US title you just split them and move them one on you know one mid card title on one show one on another one men's tag on one show one on another maybe you know the other show has the women's battle royal and the women's tag and then the other show has the women's singles match or whatever but I mean they have look at the roster and uh, just look at guys that aren't being used and look at all the NXT people. You could easily do it now. I don't know if they're going to, but again, I think that if New Japan is successful at it, I think that they will look at that and go, "We're fucking WWE. We can do that."
1: I completely completely agree. Um, you can you can split it up into a raw WrestleMania, SmackDown, WrestleMania. You know, whatever. Maybe it'll give them more incentive to hey, we need these bigger matches on SmackDown as well. Uh, I, I don't think it would be an issue. I, again, I, I, wh- whether New Japan is successful at it or not, if New, if New Japan is successful at it, it, it certainly it gives them more reason to, to explore the option. I, I really think it more comes down to WWE will be successful at it because it, it's WrestleMania, it's WrestleMania weekend. And, and then it comes down to you 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 ruin the indies like you really cut into the indies for for both of those nights and and then again you throw on takeover Friday night the like WWE owns that weekend even more like those 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 companies are only there because of WWE in the first place but now they they like what what is Joey Janela's spring break doing on I guess you you do it Friday after takeover but like you're you're not holding that show like Saturday night after mania probably and obviously not doing sunday you know they want to cut into the indies like there's already the reports out there that they want to prevent so many indies from from running in tampa and you know a lot of the companies have already secured venues and stuff you know they don't like all these companies running during this weekend and basically piggybacking off of them you add another wrestlemania show I, i i truly think that when it comes down to, vision, to decisions like this, what's the pettiest move WWE can make? And this is, they can just do this out of complete pettiness. And if they can do something out of pettiness, chances are they're going to do it.
0: Yeah. And I think um, combined, we kind of made the point too, where I talked about, you know, just the overall economic impact and your point being that, and it's the truth. Because honestly, listen, you know we're not doing rock in Austin anymore. It's not the main event that really draws anymore. It's the established WrestleMania brand, which because people always go, why don't they run arenas anymore? Because they're legit selling sixty to seventy thousand tickets in a fucking stadium every year, and like you said, making almost seventeen million dollars.
1: Yeah, WrestleMania. I mean, tickets go out. Tickets sell out like just when they're announced on sale. Nothing is announced for the card. Like, they, tickets go on sale in, in, like, November, maybe a little bit earlier, and, like, nothing is announced at all for the card. You You barely have an inkling of where they're going to go nowadays. Like, at least in previous years, by Survivor Series, you could say, like, oh, they're building this towards WrestleMania. Like, if you look back on the Survivor Series card this year, you couldn't really say – yeah, this seems like a WrestleMania match. Like nobody had Kofi Kingston and Daniel Bryan as the WWE title match uh for WrestleMania at Survivor Series. Like okay, the the Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, Ronda Rousey feud looked like it was going in that direction, but as always reported, plans change and but tickets still sell out almost instantly because it's the brand at this point. It's, it's the WrestleMania name. People want to go to this event. They can run two shows. It'll be fine.
0: And to go to your point about Survivor Series and like you not knowing where they're going, you couldn't say back at Survivor Series if you told someone in Survivor Series that there was going to be no John Cena match, there was going to be no Undertaker appearance of any kind for the first time since like 2000. And, you know, people would be like, what? You know, and then, like, you add in the Kofi thing. Nobody saw the Kofi thing coming. You know, people, you know, there were, there was no guarantee Batista was coming back, even though it was rumored. And so it's like, you have a bunch of big name stuff that was either there or wasn't there. But again, you didn't know, but then the tickets are sold anywhere because of the strength of the brand at this point. And, uh, yeah, that's, again, you know... I may not be the biggest fan of the product at times, but I never slag off on the business because listen, you get, you know, almost $2 billion in TV rights in the U S and the amazing thing about that still is they did it by SmackDown losing by USA, not wanting SmackDown. So USA is like, we don't want SmackDown. You can go shop it somewhere else. And then they said, but we'll give you more money for Raw. So it's like, okay, yeah, okay, we'll do that. And then Fox is like, hey, we got a billion dollars for you. (laughs) It's like, what? Like, how the fuck does that happen? But again, it's the strength of the brand. And, you know, it doesn't mean that the shows are great. It means that the business is fucking great. So... Let's get into this WrestleMania card, Jeremy. We Here got... we go.
1: Five-hour review of a seven-hour show.
0: <laughs> started off the kickoff show. We had four kickoff show matches. We started with the Cruiserweight Championship match. Tony Neese defeating champion Buddy Murphy in about 11 minutes. Your thoughts?
1: I think we're two of the only people who watched 205 Live. Um, I I enjoyed Buddy Murphy's title reign. I thought he did a lot for the title um especially after cedric alexander's good run and tony nice it's a guy they built up through the tournament there's there's history between nice and murphy it was nice that they let the crowd in early so there wasn't five people in the crowd during this match It, it was a good opener in a spot where you know it got the crowd into things the crowd was looking for some good wrestling at this point, especially if WrestleMania is the only show you're going to attend during the weekend. And they, they had a good match. I, I feel bad for these guys because 205 live on the whole is a, is a good one hour television show. And, you know, these guys are just put on the kickoff show every single time. They, they, it's a dead brand. It's really a dead brand. Remember when they tried to tour? Like that, that worked out real well. Um, it, it, Yeah, it's a dead brand. I feel bad for these guys. I, I like Tony Nice. I think he'll. I, I don't know how he's going to do with the title, honestly. I, Tony Nice isn't a guy who strikes me as like, this guy's going to carry the division and, and carry the title. Well, while, you know, Alexander had the story of the whole cruiserweight classic run and the police on Cedric and kind of being uh sort of an underdog and buddy Murphy had the, the story of cutting down and being forgotten in NXT and, and then, you know, coming to this brand and kind of reinventing himself and carrying the title. And Tony Nese is just a good wrestler, a good book and, you know, we'll see if he can carry this title, but the, the problem is, He's nobody on that show is in a position to carry any title right now because it's just it's such a dead show.
0: And and it's unfortunate because it was really good after Triple H took over and there was a lot of great wrestling. But it's just, yeah, it's one of those things. And, you know, the, the moving around the time slot during like the uh, May Young Clask and everything when they moved it to Wednesday and stuff like that, that didn't help either. And then, like, the taping schedule, the way they tape it. You know, they were taping after SmackDown all the time, and nobody really cared. But, yeah, um, I'll be interested to see how Nice does. I like Tony Neese, nice, really good wrestler. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he does as the quote-unquote top guy of that brand right now. But I thought it was a very good match, enjoyed it. And uh, next up, uh, after a bunch of horrible uh, pre-show panel talk, Featuring douchebag Sam Roberts. We got the uh, WrestleMania. Sucks. Oh, he's so horrible! <laughs> but uh, had the WrestleMania Women's Battle Royal, which Carmella won by pulling a Kenny King. <laughs> uh,
1: I, I was told Lacey Evans or Asuka was supposed to win this match. That That is what the big rumor was. Uh, it did obviously didn't happen. Carmelo winning is is fine. The, the problem with these battle royals, and we'll get into it when we talk about the Andre, n- nobody's going to do anything with it. Like, it doesn't mean anything. I, I actually like this match. Like, people got some good spots in. It was nice to see Ember Moon back. You know, there was no real report on when she was supposed to be back, and she was back in, like, three months, maybe less than that, because she got injured at the Rumble. Um so it was nice to see her back, you know. Kyrie and Candice were in there. Sarah Logan got a nice little run at the end, which was was cool to see. Car- Carmella winning is is fine. Like she's over, and she, I like Carmela. She's someone who has done a lot with very little to work with. I mean, she was the hanger on for for Cass and Enzo, and now she's still in the company. She's one of the. I the love them both. Yeah. <laughs> Oh god, and we'll get into Cass and Enzo later. Fuck. Yeah. Um, but you know, and she's done. Like she does a lot with a little. She's improved in the ring. I feel like, and the the stuff with our truth is good. She she really makes the the most out of any situation she's put in. People complain like, oh, it's the the same old like Carmella. You're not making a new star. If Sarah Logan had won this fucking thing they weren't gonna do anything with her anyway Let, let's let's be completely honest about it like she would have won she and then the riot squad would have been losing in six women tag matches tomorrow night or tonight on Raw. so it, it wasn't going to matter uh having Carmella win it was a nice little pop and whatever she'll she'll dance and she you can call her the battle royal winner and it'll be fine like look, look what they did with naomi after she won last year it the match doesn't mean anything
0: the good news is is they got this match out of the way early because they spent the next five and a half hours painting her pants on for her <laughs> appearance
1: before the main event and uh, carmelo is an attractive woman i will, yes. I will say that uh, she's she made a comment uh, months ago i went to a smackdown live event and it's it's striking just how beautiful she is in person. And she's like, I look better in person. And I was like, I wholeheartedly agree with that.
0: Yeah. Um, sister can wear a pair of pants, let me tell you. Um, and I mean that with the utmost respect. Gorgeous woman. But yeah, um, you know, good for her. And like like you said, she's over. Fans love her and our truth And, you know, I mean, hopefully they'll do something with it. Uh, I'm not going to hold my breath because, as we said... The track record with the Battle Royal winners isn't good. I don't have a big problem with her winning. Uh, I think it would have been nice for Oscar to win after you know they had to give the title to Charlotte and everything. But again, it's it's not a big deal. It's fine. So you know, good for her. And so she uh, she's the big winner. Next up was the Raw Tag Team Title Match. Kurt Hawkins' losing streak is finally over as the Edgehead slash Major Brothers reunite. And defeat the revival in 13 and a half minutes. The hometown boys make good. And uh I mean they may lose them on Raw tonight, but damn it, they won at WrestleMania.
1: It was a it was a cool moment and this match was so much better than it had any right to be, because it was really thrown together. Like the Hawkins and Ryder. I've either been losing or not on television. The the Revival lost a bunch to Ricochet and Black and then won on some screwy count-out thing on Raw. And then they did a WWE.com exclusive of, hey, we challenge you for the titles. And it's like, why the fuck should these guys get a title shot? Like, they haven't won anything. Um, and again, it was all... Like, there was no television hints of this match happening. And then they go out there, they have the the story of kurt hawkins is a very easy story when you've lost 269 pro matches in a row and they got the crowd really into it they got the crowd on on some near falls it worked really hard the moment was good with, with hawkins and Ryder winning they made the most out of really nothing that was there and it's a credit to to all four men and and Zach Ryder had a good week. He got engaged to Chelsea Green and now he's a WWE champion again. And yeah, they might lose the titles uh on Raw. It would be a very Zach Ryder thing to to do to him, to give him the yes. WrestleMania moment and then have him lose the next night. But it, it was a it was a cool it was a cool moment. And you know, again, credit to all four of these guys for working hard, getting the crowd into it, despite the crowd having no reason to actually care about this match.
0: Yeah, I think the best thing was afterwards. Uh, Zach Ryder posted a picture with a uh, young Nicholas from last year, and it was <laughs> yeah. like, "Thanks for the advice, yeah. brother." It was like, Dude. "Okay, that was funny." But uh, my only problem with any of this is the fact that they dicked around for so long, and as you said, threw it together that they really missed a chance to tell a good story. You know, the whole Kurt Hawkins losing thing, he reunites with the one guy he's had success with in the company and they're going home, they're going to WrestleMania, and they're going to challenge for the titles. It's an easy story. It's a simple story which should have been told, which should have added to this, but again, they made the, the most out of it. It was a good match. I was happy for for both guys. I mean, the revival, I love them, but I, I think they may leave at some point because they don't seem well, very well, happy.
1: Their contracts aren't up reportedly until April 2020, so if well, if they want to leave, they, they've got a little while, and we'll see if... I don't know what they're feeling. I watched the, the WWE Now roundtable with them, Sasha and, and Bailey, and they clearly care about this oh yeah and I don't know if they're the type of guys who are gonna say screw it let's leave we'll be happier elsewhere and uh, you know going to AEW or, or wherever or we're gonna prove everybody wrong we're gonna keep grinding we're going to you know make tag team wrestling mean something in WWE it, it's and who knows by April 2020 they might be so beaten down they're just like screw it but it it's tough to read into a a wrestler's mindset when it when it comes to that. Like a guy like Dean Ambrose, you know, a guy like Dean Ambrose has been there. Like he's accomplished all he's kind of needed to accomplish in WWE, so he has the freedom to just say, eh, "Forget it. I want to be creatively happy at this point, and you know, I'm I'm not in it for the money." I just want to you know, be be creatively satisfied so I can go elsewhere. Where a team like The Revival might say, we want to be creatively satisfied, but we only want to do it in WWE because this has been kind of our dream and we want to really make the, the most out of it. So again, it's tough to know with mindsets, but their contracts aren't up reportedly until April 2020. So who knows how the landscape is going to change a year from now and how their minds are going to change a year from now. Yeah, we'll see
0: what happens. Speaking of tag team wrestling, I want to bring up a point that over the weekend, I watched uh, LAX face Low Key and Ricky Martinez on the uh, Impact pay-per-view, which we're going to talk in the next episode. But, and that match was like pretty good. It wasn't anything special. And then I watched LAX versus the Rock and Roll Express. (laughs) And LAX had a better match with the Rock and Roll Express in the year of our Lord 2019, featuring Ricky Morton doing suicide dives and a fucking Canadian destroyer.
1: Uh, I I watched both of those matches as well, and yeah, the Rock and Roll Express are still the best tag team ever.
0: <laughs> and the thing is, is like, it was just they didn't do like a lot of special shit or anything. It's just that. They, they go in there, they want to tell a story still, fans still react to them. LAX were probably Mark and I getting to work with them. And it was just, it was so much fun. But yeah, Ricky Morton, the, the best gif I saw all weekend, well, there's two of them. The second best gif was Ricky Morton doing the Canadian Destroyer with his glorious mullet just floating like in slow motion. In the air. It was great. The other thing I saw, which was possibly the greatest one-man performance I saw all time of my life, was from Joe Janela's Spring Break, Invisible Man versus Invisible Stan. And the star of this match was famed Chikara referee Bryce Remsberg. To explain it, obviously, there's no wrestlers in the ring. They're invisible. So Bryce gets Joey's sunglasses so that he can see the men. Because Joey's like the only one that can see it. And then he proceeds to ref this match. And he goes into sequences like, like they're doing like fast near falls. And then like all of a sudden two chairs get in the ring. And the invisible men are brawling on the chairs. And then Bryce has to keep stopping the action. He has to put on gloves because one of the invisible men are busted open and it's just like it's it may sound stupid to you but it may be one of the greatest one man performances I've ever seen
1: it was just oh, the the invisible man versus invisible stand match was so dumb, but awesomely dumb. Yeah, the, the referee uh in that match was, was so good. And it, it, like he had to carry everything. It's literally not anybody else wrestling. <laughs> so everybody is just reacting to what the referee is doing. And it really was a, a great just of one man show. Um yeah, Janella's spring break is always always a weird and, and fun show and I truthfully can't believe they pulled off a two invisible man, you know, uh, invisible man versus invisible stand match. Like the, the thinking behind that is already, it's already a weird concept, just an invisible man. Like it's basically a wrestler wrestling himself. And we've seen it in the, the, the clusterfuck in previous years. And now you're, you're basically asking, a referee to referee a match by himself and they he pulled it off in a in a great great manner
0: yeah and bryce was like the only guy for that job he's just he's a good referee period but all the work he's done with chakar over the years and i think he does like um improv and stand-up stuff too but he was just so good So again, it may sound silly and stupid, but it was was quite amazing, actually. So back to Mania real quick. Uh, Andre the Giant Memorial Geek Battle Royal. Braun Strowman won. Last eliminating. The uh, shit is from SNL, which they ended up getting pretty much no publicity from.
1: Yeah. We we talked about it last time, and I I said, you've got to get Braun on Saturday Night Live, the the night before WrestleMania, like they they had a show. If Braun doesn't come in there and do something, you know, destroy the set, you know, just show up and Jost and Che run away. Like, what is the point of all this? Not only did they not get Braun on the show, like they didn't even get a mention. Like, Jost and Che, they're they're the they're the weekend update host. Like that's the new segment of Saturday Night Live. So they're talking about the news in the world. It's not news that they're going to be on WrestleMania 35. And everyone knew this was going to be on the USA portion of the the kickoff show. You can't have them say, hey, by the way, 6 p.m. tomorrow night, USA Network. Colin Jones, Michael Che, we're going to be in this battle royal and we're going to beat up braun Strowman. we're gonna you know be wrestling champions or whatever like tune in that's it a a 30 second read on it just something and they got even worse
0: even worse than that for anybody internationally listening so you fully understand saturday night live airs on nbc network television the usa network is part of the nbc universal family yeah. It's, so it's it's not like they would be advertising an appearance on a rival network. Right. There's uh, synergy
1: there. I can't believe they got nothing out of this. You know, maybe they mention it this week on the show. I'm not actually sure if they have a show. But maybe they mention it this week. But it's, it's too late at that point. I'm sure they will show clips and, and fine. That's cool. They did nothing to to get viewers to tune into the show like it's happened and just just very weird and it really makes the whole thing pointless like that that felt like the point of just having these guys there is you get that free snl promotion and you didn't get that so what was the point of, of having these guys outside of hey we got two stars on the show who did nothing to actually promote the show on their show. Uh, as far as the whole thing, like the Battle royal sucked. I'm glad Mustafa Ali is okay. And they, everyone knew it was going to come down to Jost and Che and Braun, and it did. It was meaningless. Braun wins. Whatever. They've done nothing with previous Battle royal winners. Like Cesaro, Mojo... Matt Hardy won it last year, I think um yep, Corbin show big show like what's the biggest accomplishment of these five guys a tag team championship between Cesaro and Matt Hardy? I guess Corbin wrestled angle in his final match, but the the winner of this is is meaningless like if anything, it probably hurts braun even further
0: I think the most newsworthy thing was the fact that besides Ali being alive is uh braun was like a Little trimmed down and super jacked,
1: yeah. I, I he's noticed that large. On, I noticed that on Raw in the segment with Alexa Bliss a couple weeks ago. Is this guy is shredded right now? I don't know what kind of diet or workout regime he's on, but he's the not just a body, <laughs> brother. He's not just a big dude, like you know, kind of not fat but not flabby. Uh, like he's. Ripped right now, like good on him for getting into that shape. I i hope it doesn't go to waste like it did for Rusev. So. Yeah, uh, maybe he
0: maybe it's one of those things that he you know saw he wasn't you know he wasn't getting the big push and everything, and maybe he decided like you know Vince likes big dudes and he likes dudes with muscles and everything. And again, we're not saying Braun was out of shape or anything, but he had a strong man body, which you know, strong yeah, man yeah. is like a power lifter. You look big and bulky and you can tell you have muscles, but you're not jacked. You know, you're not shredded. You're not leaned out. And he looks like he lost a little weight. And he came out and he ripped off that shirt, man. And I was like, fuck. It's like, dude, brother is in shape. So, uh, yeah. So, it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Braun. Um, I, probably a good idea to shake up the movement away from Raw for a little bit. Um, and see what happens. I don't know if that's gonna matter, but you know, we'll see. But the pay per view then properly started off, um, two days ago, um, with Alexa Bliss coming out and she brought out uh, the brother dude Jack Hulk Hogan. And they did a little wacky opening segment, and Paul Heyman stormed out and he was like, Listen, we're not waiting to later if we're not the main event, Brock is gonna win the t- uh, retain the title. And we're going to go to Las Vegas, where we're ultimately appreciated. And they called out Seth Rollins for the title match. Brock kicked his ass for like five minutes on the floor. The bell finally rang. They did a little rough bump. Rollins low blowed Brock. Hit a super kick. Three blackouts. New champion, Brock is done.
1: I thought this was a good call to kind of open the match or open the show with this, we're not gonna talk about Hulk Hogan opening the show and screwing up the the name again, which he claims was oh, work. I, I agree. Uh I, I thought this I like Paul Heyman just coming out and be like, no, fuck this Hulk Hogan posing bullshit. Like we're getting down to business here. Um I, I thought this was a, a good call to to open the show with this, uh, the explanation made sense. Like if I'm not in the main event, if I get, I want to get this shit over with so I can go to Vegas and get my training going. And they, they did it perfectly. You know, Brock beat his ass uh, before the bell. They took him to suplex city. Rollins used kind of underhanded tactics, three stomps and you're out. You didn't need a, a prolonged match. Rollins gets his big moment. Brock gets slayed and, it, I think they could have had a good match, honestly, because Brock works well with these smaller guys. But I think that for this story, it was it was much better this way. And I'm glad Seth Rollins is the champion. You know, he's going to defend the title every night. He's going to go take it to the live events. And he's, he's going to be the workhorse that he was with the Intercontinental title. And Brock will go away until the Stoddy show, I guess.
0: Yeah, I thought the whole thing was a really well-done and smart piece of business. Um, Not just because it puts Rollins over well, but the other thing is they did it so early in the show, everybody was still awake. So when he came out, he got a huge reaction. And then when he won, got an even bigger reaction, which not only did he beat Brock and win the title, but with the reactions on top of it, just came off like a complete superstar. And um, yeah, um, I, I have no complaints with how they did it, when they did it, why they did it. All made sense to me. I'm glad Brock didn't talk his way into another contract as I feared, and st- stuck around and kept the title. Uh, we need, and it's not like I hate Brock. It's just the fact that like I hate how they book him, and I think it doesn't do the shows any good, and it doesn't do the roster any good. And we need, you know, you need a fresh coat of paint. And as you said, Seth Rollins a workhorse. He can work with all kind of guys. And, you know, good call. So, yeah, loved it. Loved it, loved it. So we went on to what was rumored to be the original starting match. And apparently Hulk Hogan didn't know that Heyman was going to come out as the report from Meltzer. Um, They were supposed to open with AJ Styles and Randy Orton, which ended up going second. And uh, to my surprise, I thought Orton was going to win, but AJ Styles beat
1: Randy Orton. No one saw this match. Apparently, uh, there was a light that WWE would not turn off during this match, and so the live crowd, uh, to you know, they were distracted. They wanted the light off. They couldn't. They couldn't see the match, and so it distracted me as a viewer at home because the crowd was clearly into chanting for this light instead of watching this match and you know they pop big at one point and orton like raises his arms in the air because orton and styles probably have no clue what's going on and i saw orton issue an apology on behalf of WWE for the this light being on during his match you know they don't know what's going on orton just hears this pop and so he's just trying to play up to the crowd and stuff um it, it was a good match. Like Randy Orton is a, a technically fine wrestler. AJ Styles is AJ Styles, but because the crowd was just not really, not really into it, it just sort of it took away. And I actually, I probably enjoyed this match uh, more than more than I should have because of the uh, the crowd was not into it. Just because I really liked. Uh AJ, I really like AJ Styles, and I think Orton can have these good matches with these good wrestlers. Like the teases of the RKO. I like the spot where you know Orton or AJ goes for the phenomenal forearm, but it's a tease, and so Orton drops to his back going for the RKO and then AJ hits the springboard 450. Like, I mean AJ Styles is, is fantastic. Anytime you can uh, do the pump fakes on the RKO, Christian and Orton, when they had all their classic matches. Um, Christian, when he would springboard up to the the second rope and then, you know, leap back. And one time, Orton caught him caught him with the RKO. And then in the matches after that. Christian would pump fake that, and so Orton would go for the RKO and you know cause him put himself in danger. And it was the same thing here. I really like when wrestlers do that and sort of catch on and you play on to play off of previous spots like that. It would have been better, I think, if the crowd was just not blinded by the light.
0: Yeah, I I thought it was good. Uh, I like the points you brought up, uh, the the fake outs and stuff. But uh, it's like my problem with Orton is. As you said, he's technically a good wrestler. But I just I feel that he has a comfort zone and he never wants to come out of it. He rarely goes outside the box. And it's it's like you pretty much know what you're getting. Uh unless it's like Jinder Mahal or Bray Wyatt with fucking snakes and worms in the ring. Um he's gonna have a good match. It'll be a fine match, possibly great, but it's just like, his, like, upper-tier potential just feels like it's not there a lot of the time because he doesn't want to... He wants to do Randy Orton things, and that's it. And you know what? I mean, WWE likes that. They keep him around. They give him reduced schedule. He's a name. People know. Whole generation grew up on him, whatever. But, uh, yeah, I I, I hoped it would be better, but uh, it was good. I had no real problem with it. I just... I was hoping that, like... 'Cause sometimes like when Brandy works in his box, he feels like like your second gear, I'm gonna stay there. I don't like expending energy. You know, I, I wanna see like more aggression, you know, picking up a little bit. Because the guy's a good athlete and everything. I'm not asking him to do swantons and six thirties or anything like that shit. I just I want a little aggression and energy. But, you know, it's, um, yeah, it was a good match. So,
1: yeah, that I, I agree with you on Horton, is that he's going to work his match. And I mean, the guy's like 40 years old, maybe a little younger than that. He's, I guess, earned the right to do that. It is WrestleMania. You'd like to see him do a little bit more in, in that regard. Um, but I, I, I truthfully didn't have a problem with this match i thought it was i thought it was good i I don't mind orton and aj is aj it does almost feel like aj they've left a lot on the table with his wrestlemania matches um i mean this is it's weird but this is what his fourth wrestlemania like it doesn't feel like he's been there for four years and the 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 jericho match was is it really aj's fourth wrestlemania jesus yeah Um,
0: yeah. he did jericho (laughs) shane nakamura yeah uh, it
1: it just it just feels weird that aj styles has been at four wrestlemanias it it almost feels like he was just in the company like he just debuted like last year but he's really been there for four wrestlemanias now yeah the jericho match was pretty underwhelming all things considered the shane match was better than it had any right to be because Shane is just always going to kind of bump, and AJ can work that pace well. Uh, The Nakamura match was a severe, severe disappointment. I don't think anybody can call it anything but a disappointment. And this match was just kind of average at best. And, I mean, yeah, I liked it more than others, but if you think it was just sort of an average match, like I can't really argue with that. It certainly wasn't anything like, this is a spectacular go-out-of-your-way-to-see Uh, Wrestlemania match and it's like this guy's had four Wrestlemania matches now and fuck Shane McMahon might be the best one he's had and he's worked with Nakamura Orton and Chris Jericho
0: yeah and you know it's I think my problem with this match is it's something I had with a lot of the matches like there wasn't a lot of bad but the bad on the show was bad and the good was good but it also felt like it's WrestleMania. It should be should be a little better, should feel more important. And but when you say something like that, everybody's defense is WrestleMania is not about great wrestling. It's about moments. So I must have imagined all the great WrestleMania matches I've seen over the years. Because I'm sorry, there's been a shitload of great WrestleMania matches. And um, I'm sorry that on the biggest show of the year from the biggest company in the world that I maybe expect a little more. You know, like when I watch Wrestle Kingdom, I expect some great fucking wrestling because it's the biggest show of their year. Kicks off the calendar year pretty much for wrestling. Many times sets the stage, sets the pace, leader in the clubhouse, however you want to say it, but I expect a lot out of Wrestle Kingdom. Same thing for WrestleMania. You can't keep telling me that they're the biggest and best company in the world and then expect me not to hold him to a high standard. It's the biggest pay-per-view of the year. It's a giant money-making pay-per-view. That's great. I like the moments we got. I loved Ryder and Hawkins one. I loved Rollins one. Loved Kofi one. Loved Becky one. But I also wanted some really great wrestling to go with that, and I didn't think I got it. I got a lot of good and I got some bad. So um, but speaking of you know, quality. We will get to the SmackDown tag title match. The Usos retained against uh, The Bar, Nakamura and Rusev, and Ricochet in black. Uh, I thought it was very good. I thought everybody got some time to shine. I think if it would have got a little more time, it would have been even better. But uh, I thought it was very good. Jeremy.
1: Good match. Uh, it's it's tough to, you know, these all these guys are really good workers. Um and yeah, every, everybody got to shine the Usos, it's tough to have a bad match with them and the bar, Ricochet and Black, Rusev, Nakamura. Like there's there's really not a bad worker. I mean an unmotivated Nakamura is probably the the worst worker in this match. And the I really want to see a Cesaro and and Ricochet feud. (laughs) Like the stuff that those two guys did. Cesaro was just so good. And Ricochet is obviously really good as well. I really just want to see these guys feud. Give, Give me a bar against ricochet and black feud like just give that to me right now let these guys give them a pay-per-view where they get 15 to 20 minutes and just let them tear the house down because that would just be an amazing an amazing match and as far as this match goes yeah short, but everybody got their got their stuff in uh i'm fine with the usos winning i really like the usos they just signed new contracts so they're not going anywhere um yeah Good, good match. No no complaints about it.
0: Yeah. The thing with Cesaro is, and I, I say it a lot, and then people ask me what I mean, so I have to explain it. He is like the perfect base wrestler. He's big, he's athletic, and he's strong. He can do things with the smaller guys, but he's also the perfect guy to catch them and to take their offense, and that goes back to like when he was working in Chikara, because he was one of the bigger and taller guys, Always had that strength, and then you look at some of the shit that they would do, and it's like, how was that even fucking possible? And it's because you got this, you know, this this big ass Swiss dude who's strong as hell, you know, helping these dudes. Like, there's this fucking uh, clip of him and Quackenbush where they basically do this like, it's basically like a Canadian destroyer thing almost, and they do like a fucking double rotational. And it's like, uh, how the fuck did you do that? But yeah, it's just he's so very good. Yeah, I would uh I would love to see him and Ricochet. Yeah, I'm fine with the tag feed, but I'd love to see him and Ricochet get, you know, sixteen, seventeen minutes on fuck TV or pay-per-view, I don't care. Just put it in my veins, you know, give it to me. So but yeah, um lot a lot of really good stuff in this match. It was a lot of fun. Crowd seemed into it, no real complaints. Um, I was a little surprised that uh, the usage retained because I thought they were kind of play up like the uh, the punishment angle thing since, you know, the match was made since they forfeited the gauntlet against the new day. But, yeah, um, no problems with them retaining. They're, they're really great. And, um, yeah, good deal. So, uh, next up was the Falls Count Anywhere match. The best in the world, Shane McMahon defeating the miz when miz hit a superplex off of the camera platform um down onto the crash paddy platform and um shane landed on top and ended up winning Your
1: thoughts? i mean papa miz getting in there and squaring up was obviously the highlight of this match that's all i feel like anyone's going to remember it's already this huge meme on on social media It was every Shane McMahon WrestleMania match to where he he takes a lot of crazy bumps. He gets the shit kicked out of him. He overcomes stuff that he shouldn't overcome, like the skull-crushing finale on the platform. Like That really should have been the end of the match because, I mean, fuck. I, I don't mind Shane McMahon matches because... I give the guy credit for going out there and still taking these insane bumps that he should not be taking at his age and just at the state of his life right now. But I I don't need it stretched out. I don't need super Shane to kick out of all this shit. And then yeah, he, he wins because Miz suplexes him off the platform and Shane McMahon ends up on top. Like, it's just self-indulgent nonsense from the McMahon family, and it did. I don't feel like it did Miz any favors, and you're not building shame towards anything. So why is this guy winning the match? Like maybe they do a rematch and whatever Miz wins. It's just it went a little too long for my taste. There was nothing like wrong with it as far as the the bumps go. I, I enjoyed the, the beatdown and stuff, it's just, it wasn't all that necessary. None of these Shane McMahon matches are necessary.
0: Yeah, I, I do agree with that. I think um, if Miz wants a rematch, his best bet is to challenge Shane to a boxing match. Because he's probably only going to get hit like once or twice.
1: <laughs> I don't know why. I did like this spot. Uh, again, the the Papa Miz squaring up, and then Shane throwing like a flying knee out of it. I cackled so hard at that. I was like, "Oh, you can't, you can't strike with the best striker in the world, Shane McMahon! Like, you know, fastest hands in the West, Shane McMahon. What, what was this guy thinking? Uh th- That was the the best moment of the match to me. Is Shane throwing this fucking flying knee at uh, old Papa Miz there. Uh, yeah, I think a boxing match, it would be stupid, but but perfect. Didn't, didn't Miz and Pewter have some type of like boxing match on Tough Enough? I feel like I've seen Miz in boxing gloves before. Maybe I'm thinking of his challenge days, but Miz can, Miz can scrap, I'm sure. He doesn't like getting hit in the face, but... I don't need any more of this feud. Miz should have won, and uh, that that should have been the end of that. Like poor Mizanin family. Miz's dad gets his ass kicked, and then Miz still loses the match.
0: Yep, Miz kicked his own ass. But uh, (laughs) so, what are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm over Shane. I mean, it's just I don't think he really adds much. You know, the matches can be fun sometimes, but um. And I know a lot of other people like them a lot more than I do, and that's fine. But I just, um, I'm just kind of over it. So we moved on to the Women's Tag Team Championship match. The Iconics defeated Beth Phoenix and Natalia, Tamina and Nia Jax, and the champions, Sasha Banks and Bailey, to win the championships. Uh, did not think this was good. No, uh, no, Tamina and Nia Jax are just so, so very bad. Um, I thought Beth looked really good for not wrestling in like six years for the most part. You know, she's in good shape. She worked hard. Um, the Iconics are... They're fun and everything, but they're not good wrestlers at all. And I just... To me, I didn't get the
1: title change. I love the Iconics. I, I love their gimmick. Yeah, they're they're not the best wrestlers in the world in the ring. And... I feel like they barely wrestled in this match, honestly. Uh, but they did iconic things and they they stole the victory, which is kind of how they should be. I had no problem with the title change, honestly, because, again, I, I love this duo. I, I, I think they're both great in this role. It's not going to lead to spectacular matches. I, I don't even know how long they're going to hold the titles. I got to be honest with Sasha Banks and Bayley, though. Their run wasn't great like yeah this match was really clunky and some of that i felt like was on sasha and bailey and even their their title run like that match with the iconics like all right the iconics aren't great in the ring but you you go back and watch that match and like there's clunkiness in that match and it's on sasha and bailey for some of the stuff the like the timing getting messed up and it a large portion of this match was Boston Hug against Divas of Doom. and it was fine. like yeah, Beth looked good, but it it was just very it was just kind of a, a clunky little match that, you know they they gave the top four women the most time to sort of deliver something. and it just never felt like it was the smooth match that really, you know, delivered with the heat that that it should have. And I I don't know what it is. Like, people kind of make fun of it. You can tell when Sasha is losing. (laughs) Like, Oh, she
0: she gets boo-boo face, yeah. Yeah,
1: like, it's very obvious. And, you know, people like to say, oh, you can only see it in the aftermath. And, like, no, you can see it immediately and then it's pointed out more in the aftermath because it's like yeah well you could you can see that that was happening and i'm not saying she goes out there and has bad matches because she's losing uh because she knows she's losing but you can just tell when she's losing and the fact that she went out there and i don't think had that great of a performance isn't the best uh representation of her because i i mean sasha is really really good and yeah, I, I don't know. This match didn't do a whole lot for me. I mean, four, eight, I guess eight of the women aren't that great in the ring. And then the the other, I don't know why I said eight. There's only eight. I totally a terrible at that. Four of the women aren't great in the ring. And then the other four just didn't deliver where I, I thought they, they should have delivered. So... It was what it was. I like the title change. I like the iconics. I don't know how long they're gonna hold the titles, but I don't have an issue with them.
0: Yeah, all fair points, man. I, no, no, I can't really argue with you. Yeah, no, I don't think anybody looked good in the match. But again, it is. I mean, yeah, you can be really good, but I mean, it's it's hard to pull anything good out of fucking Tamina and Nia.
1: Yeah, it really is.
0: And it's like. You know, I don't, and I never want people to think that I don't think that Billy and Peyton try. They obviously try and work hard, but there's times where like Billy Kay looks like an uncoordinated baby giraffe. She has these like giantly long legs, and it's just like her coordination feels really off. I mean, she's yeah, it's like uh, we'll we'll talk about Kelly Klein on the next show. Jesus Christ, yes. just it wasn't good. So thankfully, though, we moved on to something of quality, which I thought was the best match on the show. Kofi Kingston winning the WWE Championship, defeating the new Daniel Bryan, uh won about 24 minutes. New day were at ringside. They had the crowd into it. They were showing the baby faces backstage supporting Kofi. And it was it was one of those matches. It was Kind of like the Gargano match we talked about to where every time Kofi looked like he would get rolling, kept getting cut off, kept getting cut off, kept having to overcome. And he finally won, completing the story. And sweet moment afterwards, got to celebrate with his little boys. And, um, yeah, it's just, you know, we talk about, you know, pro wrestling when it's done right. ...is really, really easy. And... ...the match I thought was excellent. Brian was a great and technician. Just torturing Kofi. Kofi was your resilient underdog babyface. Crown was with him for everything. You had the emotional result... ...and culmination of his journey. Which he had worked hard for 11 years. And... ...you know, it's... ...when you create characters... That fans can actually invest in, and you give a clear goal for that character to accomplish, and then you tell an effective story and you finally deliver on it, that's that's just pro wrestling. That's what it is, and that's why it worked. Because you not only had the excellent match, but you had the story, you had characters people can invest in, and that's why
1: it worked. I thought this was just excellent. I I don't I, I don't think you went five did you go like four and a quarter or something on this? Four and a half, I think. Yeah. I mean that that's fine. I always trust your wrestling opinion. Um as far as just like pro wrestling Goes and everything that i'm looking for in my pro wrestling and i'm not the person to give star ratings i'm the person to just give how did this match make me feel ratings and this match gave me all of the feels like from from start to finish the story was so good building up to it the match was just uh, amazing as, as far as i'm concerned um and Kofi winning was such a great moment like from start to finish from the entrance to the new day leaving the ring like this encapsulates just everything I love about pro wrestling be because they they told an organic story really a story that if you believe all the behind the scenes stuff like this was not supposed to happen in the least like Kofi was never supposed to be in this spot he was supposed to You know, have his match at Fastlane. And then this was supposed to be the spot for for Kevin Owens, who couldn't even get on this show. And then who knows what Kofi would have been doing at WrestleMania. And the crowd got him over. His performances got him over. And they put him in this spot. And he delivered in spades. Like, it was just so, such an amazing moment. Like, I legit had a, a tear in my eye. I'm not afraid to admit that. Because it was, again, just everything I love about pro wrestling and I know everyone will will talk about the the moment being about Kofi and it should be can we take a moment to just appreciate how good Daniel Bryan is and has been during oh, this course. run yeah he like a year ago his return felt like a big deal and then they almost immediately killed it by doing the stupid stretcher spot and then he his baby face run was just kind of there like the mismatches matches were fine but he feuded with big fucking cast yeah, yeah the, the big cast feud was dead on arrival uh and then he turns heel he has been so good as a heel just his mannerisms remember when this guy like the knock on him was he can't cut a promo for my money, he is one of the best promo guys in WWE right now. The, yep. the line, the line leading up to this match of "you guys are replaceable. We can take three guys from NXT, call them up, call them Fresh Afternoon, and have the same deal." So, like when he walked out, when he was named the gauntlet, the gauntlet replacement, or the the final boss in the gauntlet match, and Biggie and Xavier Woods are walking to the back. And Brian just has this smirk on his face, like, you know, oh, yeah, guy's like, ah, oh, this guy's amazing. And Kofi is is so good in this role as well. Again, I, I don't do star ratings, but if you're just looking for a match, that's like, what is professional wrestling to you? Like, what's a just a good professional wrestling match, professional wrestling moment? Like this is the match I- I'm showing people of recent memory anyway. It's like, this is the match you want to watch because this has everything you could ever want from professional wrestling, whether it's great wrestling, whether it's great story, you know, a great moment, whatever you're looking for, like this match just had it all to me.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, you kind of talked about like, you know, getting a little teary and w- what always gets me is things with kids. You know, cause I'm a father with two two daughters, and uh, I about lost him when he brought his sons in. Man, not dude, one
1: kid was having the time of his life too. Like it was, it was so good.
0: It was, and uh, if you saw the Hall of Fame ceremony, his one son was having the best time because, like, the new day we're all wearing like like similar suits, and his son was like mini Kofi, wearing like a matching suit and everything, and. Yeah, it was just so good. But yeah, a hell of a weekend for him. And I, you know, people are like, oh, it just feels like a lifetime achievement award. Well, the thing is, though, is that is part of the story almost that he worked hard for 11 years and he had his ups, but he had a lot of downs. And then he ended up getting this journey by complete accident. And that's how things work sometimes. And it's just I'm glad that they followed up on it, followed through. Don't know how long the run will last. But, I mean, great, excellent match. Great post-match moment. Just a great package overall. So um, we moved on. Alexa Bliss met with the uh, SNL geeks who were in the trainer's room. And then we got a 1999 Nitro segment. As Hall and Nash arrived, dressed as doctors, and offered a free prostate exam. Complete with the snapping
1: the globe on the hand. Yeah, I mean, w- whatever. Like, I don't know why you needed this segment, but whatever.
0: Comedy, man. That's Vince probably thought that was the funniest shit he saw all year. You <laughs> know how he I is. Guess. He has a weird sense of humor.
1: He, so, he does.
0: <laughs> next match was uh, US champion Samoa Joe defeating Rey Mysterio in a minute. Um, Ray kind of got to run wild a little bit. Joe cut him off, locked into choke, and that was it. Um again, I have no problem, especially on a seven and a half hour show with a short match thrown in. I think part of the problem was that Ray wasn't fully ready to go. He injured his ankle on Raw. But the good thing is, is while it kind of sucks, because I think these two can have a great match, the fact is. Joe gets his first Mania win, and he looked like a fucking beast doing so. So I'm perfectly fine with it.
1: You were never gonna follow Kofi and Brian, um, so yeah, and yeah, that, that's another were, good point. You you were just never gonna follow that match. And if Ray had a screwed up ankle, which I mean he he did, that was uh, admitted by Ray himself, and he couldn't go a long match then you know doing this short one minute match accomplished a lot of things again it brought the crowd down a little bit because you just weren't following kofi and brian it hid ray's injury if he couldn't go long and it put joe over it's just yeah an absolute beast like he he beat ray mysterio in a minute so i thought this match accomplished a lot of things i i thought it was perfectly placed i i have no complaints about it at all the the one weird thing was you know they said dominic is going to be ringside and then dominic wasn't shown or anything like i guess they didn't want to play it up because ray wasn't winning um but it it, you still could have gotten something out of that i feel like just show him at ringside and then Samoa Joe kicks his dad's ass and then show him being sad at ringside, while Samoa Joe laughs in his face. like I, They could have gotten more out of that. But as far as what they went out to accomplish in this match, it, it worked to me.
0: Yeah, again, no complaints from me. And uh, honestly, like you said, you weren't going to follow Brian and Kofi. And, um, you know, like Joe is good for Joe, looks like a beast. And uh, they can, you know, they'll, they'll likely continue it. And save the Dominic stuff for when they do that, and uh, so we'll see what happens. But uh, next up was the big dog, Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. Uh, Roman Reigns won in about 11 minutes. I thought it was a perfectly solid but unspectacular match. It just, it didn't feel like a WrestleMania match. It felt like a Raw match. There was really like no fire to it. There was no reason to get invested in the work. And the crowd didn't care because they were doing the fucking wave during
1: Roman, I, I don't want to be too harsh on him because I don't think he's 100% yet. This was his first singles match since coming back. Like his only other match since announcing his return was, was the, the tag team match with The Shield where obviously they could play the hits. He could be hidden behind Ambrose and Rollins and not have to do all that much roman clearly isn't ring ready at, at least not to the the point you would want him to be or you not want him but you, you know what i mean like he, he's not ring ready at this point and there's like there's nothing wrong with that the guy fucking just battled leukemia for four months the fact that he's back at all just speaks volumes about uh he his doctors i guess and his, his immune system or his the the work he put into to getting through that disease uh so yeah i i don't i don't want to be too harsh on on roman here because i understand everything he went through and he's put in a not a great spot because they wanted him for this match he he's obviously good enough to where he said i can have this match but he's also clearly not like Roman Reigns, because for all of Roman Reigns' character that people get down on, like the guy could still go in the ring, like bell to bell, he is like a good worker when given the right opponent. And Drew McIntyre is obviously a good worker as well. So this could have been, I think, mean, like get, do this match again at Summerslam when Roman's had more time to really get back into to ring shape and, and get his legs under him you have a much better match, but it's, it's obvious that Roman is, is not Roman at this point. Uh, it was, the moment was fine. Like Roman got his win. Good return for him. We'll, we'll see where he goes from here, but it yeah, I, I can't be too harsh on Roman. The, the man just beat leukemia.
0: Yeah. And I didn't really have a problem with him so much. It was just, just the entire thing just felt like it was lacking. You know, it never felt like a good intensity, Never felt like they really locked in well. And like I said, it just felt like nobody cared about it. So, yeah, it was, um, wasn't um was bad by any means. It was average, solid. It was fine. It's just, again, it's one of those things that on WrestleMania, you know, and you're perceived as one of the top stars of the company, um, I expect a little more out of you, both guys. And it's just, I don't think anybody really delivered. Elias came out for his big performance. They cloned him. He was playing drums and piano and was going to sing. And then John Cena returned as the Doctor of Thugonomics, complete with his basic Thugonomics music. He uh, threw some rhymes out at Elias, making fun at him, joking about turning heel and burying Elias' in the bush. And then he laid him out with the FU, which he did call the FU. And that was John Cena's contribution to WrestleMania 31
1: i thought this was great i i'm still a huge john cena fan and mark uh i have no problem saying that i the the doctor of Thugonomics gimmick was awesome for its time the fact that he came out and did that here i i loved you know it buries elias but let's be honest about elias the guy's gonna get his heat regardless he's not exactly a wrestling machine like he's he's a character he's admitted that himself like he is a character and the character needs to get beat up sometimes and you know if he's getting beat up by john cena he's getting beat up by john cena and if it leads to sort of an extended thing between them and they have a match and maybe elias wins like like even better but you know wrestlemania is about moments it's kind of a knock on the show and I thought this was a a very cool moment. I, I love Duganomic's Cena. You know, the fact that he did his rapping and uh yeah I, I love this segment. I, I'm i a fan of John Cena.
0: Yeah it was it was definitely fun. People seem to really like it. And you know what it was different. He didn't come out with his weird JBL haircut. You know, so he uh yeah it was I had no problem with it and yeah, it's like, it's like no offense, it's it's not like no way Jose came out and laid out a lies. And no disrespect to no way Jose, but it's like it's John Cena. It gets him on the show, and uh, it was a little different. And I think fans, I think people appreciate that, you know, because like you know, it's like there there are people that really like John Cena, and then there are people that like hey, John Cena is fun, but I want him to do something different. And it's not so much that John Cena has to turn heel or anything. It's just coming out and doing that felt a little fresh and it was just a fun little addition. And there you go. So yeah, we'll we'll see what his involvement is going forward or, you know, lack of involvement is depending on his outside schedule, but you know, it was, it was nice of John to show up.
1: Yeah. um, Again, I think the one knock and we'll kind of get into it because I think angle is next is if you were going to do Thuganomics Cena, Why wasn't it with Kurt Angle?
0: Yeah, and that's, I I think, again, fair point. But they like Baron Corbin because he's tall, (laughs) you know. But uh, actually up next was uh, the no-hold-Bards match with Triple H's in-ring career on the line. Triple H defeated Batista. Um, Probably would have been better for Batista to win and end his in-ring career. But um, I was not a fan uh, I thought this was bad, um, bad in a way that was on par with the the shitty did with Undertaker and Australia and Saudi Arabia last year. Just everybody's like, "Oh, it was great sports entertainment, and it was a plunder brawl." And yeah, it was a plunder brawl that was glacially slow, had no energy, and that the crowd really didn't react anything. Like they did callback spots. To their previous matches Batista hits like the power bomb on the steps triple H kicks out and it's like yay go NXT dad. I mean there's like one dude I mean, there was like nobody reacting to it um, and like the thing is too is like when you're using all that plunder it's like the thing is is in a way it's a crutch and it hides things but the other thing is is the plunder tends to get an easy pop. And the plunder didn't even really help in that regard to me. I thought this was bad. I thought it was the worst thing on the show. And a big part of that is is that Triple H had to compose one of his magnum opuses going almost 26
1: minutes. uh, (laughs) I hate Triple H WrestleMania matches. I mean, really, any Triple H match at this point, honestly the the match against undertaker i i'm pretty sure i called it the worst match of all time because it was the worst match of all time i i don't think this match was that bad uh i I don't think it was the worst match of all time i i hate these triple h matches because as you said this guy like he had the longest match on the show because of course he did I don't need 30 minutes of Triple H. Like, this guy has not been good. A match that, like, everyone loves is that WrestleMania, not the Hell in a Cell, but the the WrestleMania match against Undertaker. And I rewatched that match, like, a year ago, and I'll never watch it again. It is so slow. And every single Triple H match since then is just so slow. Like, the guy just moves in slow motion now. He he can't really move. And keep in mind, th- this match was a decade ago, this Undertaker match. That was, what, WrestleMania 26, right? Yeah. Like the, yeah, like, so it was a decade ago. And I thought he was moving at a snail's pace then. He's 10 years older. And, he like, he still wrestles. He does all this travel. I... Yeah, I... They had some cool spots early, the plier spot, the nose ring spot, like that. That was different and fun. Everything, every Triple H match is really the same. It's just a lot of slow kind of brawling, a lot of setup without much substance, and then Triple H somehow ends up winning. <laughs> I, 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 I hated this match. I, I never want to see Triple H wrestle again i don't like batista hasn't wrestled in years i didn't have high hopes for this match because it's a triple h wrestlemania match and just having high hopes for any triple h wrestlemania match is a fool's errand at this point and batista clearly looked like a guy who hasn't wrestled in years and he like he wasn't moving like he tripped getting into the ring he wasn't moving well either just just knock it off can't wait until next year when Triple H has to have his another 30-minute classic with whoever the fuck they bring back next year. John Cena, maybe. No, he's I I can
0: see it next year. He's gonna go to the NXT well and drag like Gargano up or something because he thinks he's like the second coming of Shawn Michaels and is like, I can have a great match with this guy. We'll go 38 like he did on Takeover, and it'll be awesome. It's
1: like no. <laughs> yeah hey, that's say, yeah. perfectly fine with it. Like Gargano at least is gonna wrestle. <laughs> yeah, Gargano's gonna move and like he can bump around and he can make Triple H look good. Like I have no doubt, like yeah, give me I don't I don't know if it needs to be thirty minutes, but give me that thirty minute match over thirty minute matches against the Undertaker and Batista. But truthfully, just don't give me a 30-minute Triple H match, period.
0: Exactly, so. I agree. Next up was Baron Corbin defeating Kurt Angle in Kurt Angle's farewell retirement match in six minutes. Um, the good news was Kurt looked better here. He looked a little rough in the lead up to this. Um, you yeah, know, He did a little better, had a little more movement. He even busted out the moonsault, which... Hey, even in his broken down old ass stage, dude still has a pretty missed moonshold. Because it's like sometimes someone misses a moonshold and it just kind of looks like shit. But Kurt still got some good air on it. It looked nice. And um, you know, I'm not a huge fan of it, but hey, they gave Baron Corbin the big win. Now it's actually up to the company to follow up on it, and it's up for Corbin to actually deliver on the gift that he got because you don't get to retire Kurt Angle every day, you
1: know? That's the biggest thing is how are you going to follow up on this? You, you give Corbin this win. It should be like, we'll say what we will about Baron Corbin. I don't think either of us think he's anything special on the mic or in the ring. Like he's, he's just not good. He doesn't, I don't think he draws legitimate heat or anything like that. But you gave him this win do something with it like don't squander this if you're we don't like Baron Corbin but if he gets a push out of this which he should get a push out of this whether we like him or not he should get built off of this moment then fine at least they made something of it it's the wrong guy to give it to but at least you're making something out of it if you do nothing with this then what's the point
0: yeah, if they do nothing with it, it's it's like, why did you even have Kurt lose them? You know, so hopefully they actually do something, and hopefully he can deliver. I don't think he's any good, but, I mean, you know, I mean, stranger things have happened. So, um, yeah, Baron Corbin, we'll see what happens. I'm sure he'll be gloating on Raw tonight. Uh, next up, Demon Finn Balor defeated Bobby Lashley to win back the Intercontinental title. Match went a hair under four minutes. Uh, they teased Finn running wild early, he got cut off. Uh, Lashley seemed pretty spry and motivated. He hit the suit, the uh, the biggie suicide spear to the floor, hit another one. The demon fired up, ended up hitting a powerbomb, the double stomp, and Finn Balor, the intercontinental champion, once again. Uh,
1: once the demon was announced balor was never losing this match so it was fine uh ballard yeah ran wild lashley did what he got some spots in and then i like the power bomb and the coup de grace it it was what it needed to be and I, i had no complaints about it we'll see what they actually do with balor with this title and if they actually bring back the demon again it's still a weird concept of why is this guy the demon in this match? And then why is he not a demon against Brock Lesnar in the universal title match? It's just the, the randomness of we're going to make him the demon now is just, it's an interesting, I don't even know if it's interesting. It's, it's, it's a weird concept, but whatever. The worst
0: worst thing is when they brought back the demon so that he could beat fucking Baron
1: Corbin. Yeah. Like he needed to be the demon for that. It's, Uh, I don't know the the demon thing is I like it it gets a big pop it's a cool entrance he looks you know he looks really good in these matches it's just why does this match constitute the demon and and this match doesn't um so like why wouldn't he just be the demon for every intercontinental title defense and then he'll never lose the intercontinental title uh it's it is what it is. The The match itself was fine. We'll see if they actually do something with Valor in this title since it's been bounced around for the past few months.
0: Yeah, that's... uh. And again, I have no problem with a shorter match, especially because we were heading towards midnight. And then just after midnight Eastern time, the winner-takes-all match, Charlotte versus Becky versus Ronda. Becky Lynch, your new Raw and SmackDown Women's Champion... Match went uh, twenty thirty five, um, There was a, a bunch of controversy with the finish because Ronda went for Piper's Pit. Becky counted into a crucifix cradle and Pender. And then, like, Ronda's shoulder had come up. And so everybody thought they were booking the disputed finish. And then there was some bullshit report that, oh, Ronda was livid with the finish of the match because... you know, Becky didn't let her up and Becky was supposed to beat Charlotte or some bullshit, but according to Big Dave, and it depends on who you believe, Big Dave Meltzer says that was the finish. Ronda Shore coming up was just an accident and transition, but uh, Becky got her big moment at uh, the women main event at WrestleMania for the first time. What did you think?
1: It should have been a bigger deal. The, the problem with this match it's like technically it was fine the, there was nothing wrong with the the moments in the match. I thought they you know they told the story they wanted to tell. it had some physicality and some brutality to it that seems like a lot of women's matches seem to have there's this uh, sort of uh, you go back to the days of like Sasha and, and Charlotte and there there's this feeling of unsafeness in matches. And I'm not saying these ladies are, are unsafe, but you get that impression from some of these matches. And it like I actually like that. It adds to sort of the realism of the match. Like that that spot that Rhonda took where she's hanging upside down over the ropes and then Becky uh drop kicks her and Rhonda falls on her back to the floor. Like that was a cool spot. Uh and it looked like it fucking hurt like hell. Like Rhonda's leg got cut up, uh Charlotte's elbow got cut up, uh, Charlotte screwed up her knee on the um spanish fly so there's that feeling of of unsafeness and realism to the match that i really enjoy with these women's matches the problem was the crowd they, they were just gassed like they'd been watching wrestling for seven hours even though this was you know the main event rightfully the main event even though everybody wanted to cheer for becky they didn't have it in them to to really get into it like they could have. And this is another mark for of why the show needs to be two days or cut shorter, because this is your main event. Like this is a historical main event and the crowd just had nothing left to give to it. And as far as the finish goes, it, it was clearly screwed up somehow, whether it was the actual finish, whether it was, that was how it was supposed to go. But you know, Rhonda got her shoulder up and the ref messed up. It, I don't know what, which story is true. I do know that they screwed it up because her shoulder was up. So unless they were trying to tell the story of it's, it was disputed and Rhonda's going to come out on raw and be like, Hey, fuck this. Like my shoulder was up, give me my rematch. And then Becky beats her clean and Rhonda gets her goes away. I think like, that's where it feels like they should go, whether that's the way they want it to go, because like Becky's win felt sort of, hollow because of that moment like everyone saw it everyone saw the shoulder get up so like you just have this disputed moment now on Becky's big win and it took away from from the win and it shouldn't have like this was supposed to be Becky's moment and it it wasn't because of that finish botched like it was botched I, again I don't know what the real finish was supposed to be that finish was botched
0: Oh yeah, I mean, it certainly wasn't clean by any fucking means. It's just, and yeah, it's it's a shame because it just between between the crowd's exhaustion and I think people had like really really high hopes for this, and because like Ronda or rhonda has been way better than anybody could have imagined in her first year. Becky and Charlotte have had great chemistry, and I and I was one of them. I was expecting a great match, and I I didn't think I got. It thought it was very good overall but it just yeah it was missing something for me i just i don't know
1: yeah it it, it really didn't feel like the, the kofi moment felt like a much bigger deal and probably because the like that was an actual clean non-disputed finish and it happened at the right time in the show and the crowd wasn't so burnt out like I felt bad for all three ladies. I really felt bad for Becky because this was supposed to be her time. And I like I'm fine with that. If if Rhonda's shoulders just stay down clean or the ref doesn't count it or whatever. If it's just a cleaner finish, if it's just a clean finish, it can still be this like caught her in a roll-up thing. Like that, that's perfectly fine. That's honestly how Rhonda Rousey should be getting beaten. But it, it wasn't clean. And so it ruined the moment. And now you're either living with that, or you're coming out on Raw and you're having Becky beat her clean. And she has her moment on Raw, which it's not a WrestleMania moment, but like the crowd's gonna, it, the crowd is going to be hotter on Raw if they get a clean Becky Lynch beating Ronda Rousey finish because it's a smaller arena. It's gonna translate well. And whether even if you do it at the very end of the show, which is when it should happen. The crowds just going to be hotter after a two and a half hour wrestling show than a uh, seven hour wrestling show.
0: Yeah. Plus the uh, the crowds are always rowdy on the Raw after WrestleMania, so it'll it'll be interesting to see what what exactly the follow up is tonight. Um. Apparently, according to Big Dave, Ronda broke her hand in the match, and uh and last night was supposed to be her last match for the foreseeable future. So. We'll see what happens, obviously. You know, we, we post shit on 411 all the time. And, you know, we credit our sources. And sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong. I'm not telling you that she has a broken hand or that she's not coming back. But that's the word right now. So we'll see what the follow-up is exactly. We'll see how long the uh, she actually holds both titles before they try to split them or whatever. And uh, we'll just see how the run goes overall after that. But yeah, it's just, uh, that's another good, um, another good defense for not running a seven and a half hour show.
1: It doesn't need to be that long. Like you, you put, you put this main event in a bad spot and it's been like this for years, honestly. And like you can blame previous WrestleMania events, main events on, poor booking like it's been Roman Reigns for four straight years like the Brock match there was some heat to it the Triple H match was dead on arrival the Undertaker match was pretty dead on arrival and then last year the Brock match there was a little bit of heat to it and the Brock winning was a surprise Like this match there just what like this was the first match where it felt like hey we're going to get an excellent match. This has been built up. We have somebody we're behind. Like we're not behind Roman Reigns. We don't give a shit about Brock. We don't give a shit about Triple H. Undertaker can't move. We're behind these ladies. We're behind this story. And the crowd still could not muster anything up for this. And so, yeah, it's a knock against running a seven and a half hour show because the crowd won it. Like they tried. You could tell they tried to get into this match. And then they, they just couldn't do it. They they could not get up the energy after this show to be like we're super into this this is a super hot match and it like it was it was a hot match there was good moments there there was good spots and the crowd just they could not muster that energy for it
0: yeah and it's, it's asking a lot and, you know there there's going to be a certain sect of people that are going to say that um you know the women fail and nobody cared and that's not it i mean I think for the most part, if you put anybody in that situation last night, you're asking people after seven and seven hours to to be invested and to get up and to be energized and it's just it's a hard ask, man it really is, and i think I think a lot of people would have got the same reaction in that spot and it's it's a shame, but i mean it's it's what they do it's their model right now and I mean, fuck, they're making billions of dollars off TV rights. They don't give a shit that I thought WrestleMania was average.
1: No, I mean, they're... But this is why I think in three to four years, it's going to be moved over two nights because they can still make money. Like, they're not going to lose money if they move it to two nights and then you're not completely burning out the crowd for all of this. Like, if you go back and you watch this wrestlemania main event you wouldn't get the feeling that this is the hottest match in the company this is the rightful main event and like that's how it should have felt and at some point they've got to recognize that that hey we're doing a disservice not only to the fans but to ourselves like these matches are not as hot like this these main event matches are not as hot as they should be because of these long shows and i think that's why within three to four years it's going to happen and it's going to move to to two separate nights
0: yeah it'll be interesting to see what they do but i just uh i hope they do something i just think it's it's too long and like i said we'll 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 eventually talk about the g1 show and I, i that wasn't as long but it was still a it was a long show and it's just i think when you're hitting five hours man you're you're asking a lot of people. You know, and it's just I don't think shows need to be that long. Um you know, thankfully some of the some people have learned their lesson. Like I noticed like a lot of shows over Mania Weekend tried to stick to like that two hour and twenty minute mark. You know, get in, get out, move on, let people have a chance to go to other shows. And it's just um you, you don't need these long ass shows, so that's that's just me. And I know some people seem to seem to think it's great. Oh, I love it! I I think it's like the greatest thing that Mania is seven hours now because it's WrestleMania and they kind of put their WrestleMania blinders on and they tell themselves it's going to be a great show no matter what. And listen, if you like the show or you love the show, I think that's awesome. But again. I, I always laugh and I I get the can't you just like wrestling and have a good time and then like I give NXT a good review and give it a 10 and everybody's like it's so nice when you're just being a fan and you're not analyzing it it's like no I still analyzed and reviewed it it was just a all time great show and I just I didn't think Mania was it was a very inconsistent show I thought a lot of things under delivered and then you had like that horrible Triple H Batista match, and yeah. So, but uh, that's WrestleMania, Jeremy, and it's a, uh, it's finally over. <laughs> it year. is. I,
1: I, I agree with you. Like, I didn't like hate this show. There was some good stuff on the show. Again, Kofi and Brian is one of my favorite matches and moments in in recent memory I, I i have a hard time coming up with just a better match and a better moment in the past few years especially wwe wise um, and there was some other good stuff on the show i liked the john cena moment i i probably liked orton and styles more than most um, becky lynch winning was cool i, I like that match there was some good stuff with with Samoa so, Joe getting his squash in the the Rollins moment and that like I thought that was laid out perfectly. the The tag team match, both of the tag team title matches, uh, were were really good. Like there was some good stuff on this show, but seven and a half hours by the end of it, and and keep in mind, I, I know you're you're uncomfortable in in a wheelchair right now, and like I'm fairly comfortable in the comfort of my own home. Like I I laid on the bed for portions of this. I'm I'm in my office chair and it's still, it's like the show goes until, you know, 1230. And it's just tough to be comfortable for no matter where you're at for seven and a half hours. And I can't imagine how the fans were feeling in that cramped space with those shitty stadium seats. And you're trying to move around in the long lines and all this other stuff. And it's just not, Again, it's a disservice to the crowd to have these shows this long. It's cool if you can be into it all seven and a half hours. Great. More power to you. I I think it was obvious that most fans just cannot get into it for all seven and a half hours. And this show, uh, let's be honest, it was laid out very well. Like They started off hot. They cooled down a little bit. They got hotter with Kofi and Brian. They cooled it down a little bit more. The, the Triple H-Batista match kind of killed everything, but then they tried to bring it back to life with, I guess they sort of killed it more with Kurt Angle losing to Baron Corbin. But they tried to bring it back to life with, with Demon Balor and him winning. And then you get the main event, which everybody should be up for. Like, it was laid out very well. There was no excuse for this to, you know, it had its peaks and valleys that you would want it to have if you're trying to, you know, cool down the crowd and then heat them back up and everything. And they still couldn't get into it for the main event. And that's not it's not a knock on the performers. It's not a knock on the layout. It's just a knock on how long this show is.
0: Yeah, and I, I, I agree. It's you know, I didn't think the show was bad at all either. I just I thought it was average. I thought there was some good wrestling. I thought Brian and Kofi was excellent. I thought there were good moments, but for me it was I wanted a little more top tier wrestling. You know, you're the biggest company in the world. It's your biggest show of the year. Give me a little more. And and that's just me. Again, I think that if people enjoyed the show, it's fantastic. So with that being said, we will wrap up episode nine here. Please remember you can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course 411mania.com. And uh, we appreciate you listening. Leave us a review and share the show around